Universal Championship Wrestling presents Hometown Throwdown Sunday, August 8th at the Greenville Shrine Club and Event Center. See all your favorite wrestling superstars in action. NWO members Big Papa Punk Scott Steiner and Buff Bagel, WWE star Carlito and The Ascension, AEW's Dream Girl Ellie, Chrissy Bain, Lodi from WCW, Mustang, Mike, and many more. Get your tickets now at ucwtv.com and eventbrite.com. We'll see you Sunday, August 8th at Hometown Throwdown. Card subject to change. I've tried, 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 and I've tried even more. I've cried, 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 and I can't recall what for. I've pressed, I've pushed, I've yelled, I've begged, hoped it's some success. The inevitable fact is that it never will impress. I've more fucks to give, my fucks have all run dry. I've tried to go fuck shopping, but there's no fucks left to buy. I've got no fucks to give, the more fucks I've tried to get. I'm over my fuck budget, and I'm now in fucking debt.
That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with a brand new episode of the Boochcast. Party on, Vinny. Party on, Elvis. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, this episode, I, I don't really have a title for this one this week. I, I thought I had one, but I can't think of it. You got one, Elvis? Um, hashtag beat up John Cena. <laughs> okay. All right. Hashtag beat up John Cena. Yes. <laughs> All right. It's, it's, it's an oldie, oldie but goodie. Yeah, it's an oldie but a goodie. Plus, um, let's be honest though, John Cena has been kicking ass since he came back to WWE. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like he's a man. Dude, like literally, like his promos have been on point. Uh, he he's officially signed the contract, so we now know at SummerSlam it will be John Cena versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Title, and. I don't know what everybody else's opinion is, but here's mine. I want to see Cena break the record. I'd be okay with it. I ain't lie to you. Yeah. I'd be cool with it. I would. Because I feel, and here's why. I feel like Roman Reigns has run through everybody on the SmackDown roster. I, I, I look at the roster and I think, who else? And I don't see anybody. I hear you. I mean, I feel like I feel like Cena could win this, and we all know Biggie's got the briefcase. So I'm thinking John Cena could win the title, and then maybe a few months down the line or something like that, maybe Biggie could cash in and take the belt. I'd be okay with that as well, too. Like maybe there could be something where uh, maybe Cena goes all the way to Survivor Series with the Universal Title, and he faces whoever the WWE Champion is. And obviously it's going to be a non-title match because it's champion versus champion. And then after that, Big E can cash in, walk out with either belt, Universal or WWE. I'm fine with whatever scenario. I mean, um, John Cena's been on a roll, man. I'm not going to take anything away from the man. Um, I'll be on the hate point right now. I just hope he does better. So um, he's on his whole different echelon now. He's not a person I hated before. He's um, he's unbullable now. If it's if, if you could believe it, he's unbullable now. So I'm I'm cool with it, man. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, he's unbullable. He is kicking ass. He has taken names. Uh, it's been an incredible, inc- incredible run that he's having. And of course, um, you know, I I gotta be honest, guys. We we talked so much about AEW. I didn't know what opening topics to talk about. So I think we're gonna jump on into the, the topics. I don't really have any banter unless Elvis, you got a story. Um, yeah, I do, actually. All right. Um, congratulations to me for jumping ship, coming to a new company. I put my two weeks notice into, uh, Geico. Whoa. Um, yeah, man. Um, I'm away from the get-go. I'm with Flo now. Um, I got about two more weeks left. Now, this week, I'm going to Chicago with my brother. We're going to go to a Cubs game on Saturday. Um, Thursday, I'm taking off to go to the doctor to go get some more Adderall pills because uh, I wouldn't have health insurance for about three months. So I'm getting my three-month subscription uh, taken care of, my tabs taken care of. Um, and then Friday, we're going to Chicago, going to see a game on Saturday, come back on a Sunday. Um, then um, got another week of work left, but um, I was trying to think of how I was going to take care of it. I was going to think about how I was going to take care of everything. And what I'm going to do is, like, my last week, 
I know it sounds kind of shitty, but I am actually going to put a couple vacation days off too, so I would actually work a full two weeks. I'm going to take a lot of vacation time off because I don't need to check. What I really need is to be off of work and get paid for it. That's what we all look for. Um, I'll, you know, when it comes to my my work ethic, um, I built the buzz vacation time. I won't be using it. I accrued it, so I'm going to use it. Um, I'm going to a job where it's uh, more money, less responsibility. That's the dream. I'm work. I'm living it. So that's me. Yeah. That's me in a nutshell, friend. Yeah, it's 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 actually one of the reasons why I one of the things I enjoy about being bus manager is that it's uh it, it's more money and not as much responsibility. There's some, but not as much as I've had before. Yeah, so I'm golden. Um, I'm happy. Um, it doesn't seem like I mean, like I I think I have it all kind of planned out. Um, but Chicago Chicago's happening this week, so I get to go to Chicago and um. You know, maybe even play some uh, Ellen Parsons Project music when I get in there. Like, bum, 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 bum. Like, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Um, go to a Cubs game, which is pretty cool. I get to go visit my old schools, my old buildings I used to live at. I mean, like, me and my brother I even go to the old thrift store we used to go to as a kid. Um, we have quite quite a few things planned out. Obviously, there's a lot of drinking involved and a lot of stupid shenanigans we're going to get into. But um, nonetheless, it's going to be super fun. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, man. Uh, and I'm excited for you, dude, because I know... Um... I know it was it was actually kind of funny because, um, you know, back in the days when I used to work at Lowe's, I used to be the guy that when I would talk to Elvis and I would just yell and scream and vent and bitch. And I still kind of do that now, but not as much as I used to. It's not as bad. But it was kind of funny to have, like, the roles be reversed and have you calling me and being angry and pissy all the time. Because you I mean, were, man. Fun. I mean, like... Oh, well, the thing is, like, you know, here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad I got the opportunity to go somewhere else and not take anything away from Geico. Um, they taught me a lot about where I'm supposed to be at and do things, and I get it. It's fine. But here's the thing that really made me mad. Um, the culture change, you're adding a lot more things you're supposed to, you're not. Um, they're adding a lot more things without taking things away. Uh, you're doing a job of three, three people, not just an adjuster, but as a customer service rep as a DV person. So there's a lot of different things that incorporate that. And plus they makes it, they make it more impossible for you to get a advancement when it comes to getting raises and, you know, getting your merits every year. So it was an easy choice for me. Um, they offered a lot of money to, for me to move over and it'd be silly for me not to take that opportunity. And when I left, uh, my insurance company, uh, when I left Geico, um, they had a chance to counterbalance or try to give me a counteroffer, and they didn't even entertain the idea to even try to sit there and get me to the next level. So when they sat there and not do that, I was like, okay, now I know where you guys are at. That's all I need to know. So it was an easy choice for me. They didn't even, wow, they didn't even try to counteroffer? Not at all. Damn. They lost up. Like right now, as I know it, just the people I know, and it, this is not like something that – is that something like this is just 12 like they had 12 people leave within the past five months and that's just stuff that people from people i know who knows other departments other areas that i have no people these people are it could have been a lot worse but because um you know we're not privy to the information it could be a lot more i know 12 people i'll be i'm the 13th that's gonna leave wow in five months that's that's unheard of that is definitely unheard of that's so, like a yeah. big deal. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, like 12 people leave and you're the 13th. That's, 
I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I don't know. I mean, I, I know what, I know at Lowe's there was a lot of people that were leaving, um, right around the time I did. I know, uh, I know Kristen just left, and that was a shocker. I didn't think she, I wasn't sure when she was gonna leave. Yeah, I mean, like they let, they had people leave who were there for like you know five, eight, ten, twelve years. Yeah. And it's just, um, you know, it's, it's not like a, a, a pissing fest or whatever or anything, but the thing is, like, the brass taxes, they can do a lot of different things. They can change. And the thing is, like, it's not like it's fun in deaf ears. We, we we are pretty vocal about what you want change, how to make things better. Um, but the thing is, they they weren't actually, um, they hurt us, but they weren't doing anything to rectify it. And it just became more and more apparent every, each and every month. Every time we had, um, every time we had a, meeting to talk about whatever the situation is it just seems like they never um really listen to us they just want to sit there and keep tacking on keep tacking on and not only are we super booked and understaffed and overworked and underpaid but they just kept adding more and more things to try to make our days a living fucking hell yeah and then it came to a point where like you know what we can't do this anymore uh we tried um and uh you know we try as hard as we can to get it taken care of and uh, regardless of what happens, they're just they're just they're, they're daily a buck short, and we're done with it. So yeah. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, some people just don't know how to take care of their employees. You know, it's every like they shoot them. It's like they shoot them, and they're like, "Why can't we have good employees?" Because you fucking shot them, you piece of shit. Yeah, and then yeah, and then you wonder why nobody wants to work for you, or if you're a boss that's like, you know, it's my way or the highway, and it's fine. You want to have a my way or a highway mentality, it's your company, run it that way. What you can't do is have a my way or highway mentality and then get all pissy when people choose the highway. Oh, people yeah. choose the highway, I mean, you got to accept that. I mean, like, here's the thing. And mind, sorry guys, I'm, I'm snacking right now because I've had a couple of drinks today. I went uh, skeet shooting today. But the thing is, like, you know, you sit there, you choose the highway, you're like, oh, you sure you want to do that? You know, I'm like, yeah, man. You're going to offer me more money right now? Like, tons more money than what you're giving me right now? Less responsibility? No? Okay, fuck off then. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, it's how it is. People want to be, you know, you got, if you're not treating somebody the way they want to be treated, they're going to go somewhere else. You can't expect somebody to just take your shit forever. Eventually, someone's going to go, fuck this, I've had enough. Especially when you're working that person to death. You got them doing three, four, five different jobs because you want to save money. That's the real reason you're doing it. You know, they're going to look at you and go, oh, we're, I, I believe you're capable of doing all these things. No, you want to save money. That's why you're making people do 15 fucking jobs. Don't, don't bullshit your employees. That's the worst thing. Yeah, I mean... It's a means to one end. They taught me a lot. Got a lot of things done. Got my um, reputation with the other stores and other shops. And, you know, it looked, it looks good on a, on, a, on a resume, which is great, though. But at the same time, it's kind of like, damn. Like, you guys could have done a lot more. And you guys are completely devoid of acknowledging where your problem areas are at. Even though I've said it, like, me personally, brought to attention many times. To try to right the ship, to try to get it where it's supposed to be, and I try to be the raw, raw guy to kind of keep everybody's morale up. But after a while, when you get like so, when you, like we become to a point where it's like sinking sand. No matter how much you dig out of that sand to keep your head above the sand, they just keep adding more weight and weight and weight and weight to it, day in, day out. No matter, you can sit there and hit all the merits they want, but the thing is, with everything they tackle on top of you, 
it makes it nearly impossible for you to juggle a thing. And I'm taking the Adderall, too. If I can't handle this stuff on Adderall, what the fuck's going on? You know, one of the reasons I even started taking Adderall, not because, like, I need it because I'm an adult and to be professional, but one of the reasons I took Adderall is because I could be more focused and focus more on my job to be more proficient in my job. And with everything that enter on, how the fuck do you maintain when you're on a, uh, let's face it, it's like a methamphetamine, right? To keep you focused. So if I'm sitting there taking a methamphetamine that's prescribed because I do have ADHD, so I do have to focus more. But the fact is, I can sit there and take Adderall to maintain my job, to do my regular basic stuff. I shouldn't have to put myself through that to just do my job regularly. It's stupid. It is. So it's like, you know, I, I actually took an extreme to do this job just to maintain and still not enough. And don't get me wrong. I maintain. I could do whatever I can. Do. And I, I, could, I could probably do this for another a year or two. But there's no satisfaction. The pressure, the pressure cooker that is this job day in, day out, it's absurd. And then we shouldn't be dealing with that. There should be other teams helping other people doing different things. And, you know, I don't, I don't hate Geico as a company. They helped me out a lot. But the thing is, in the past year, year and a half, it's falling by the wayside. Anybody who's an employee who works there, it could be from the people taking the phone calls or the people working as adjusters. It's 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 a shit show, and it's really hard to maintain. Um, I'm not a lazy person by any stretch of the imagination. I wake up early, come home late. There's times where I have to work late at night just to catch up on admin work or rentals or total losses or try to get myself straight for the next day or two or even for the whole week. You have to pre-plan. You have to like sometimes you have restless nights over the weekend trying to figure out how you're going to plan the next week, and it doesn't sound like much. But when you have all these people expectations to meet up with them and get every person you meet has like a has like a, a dilemma. They're an yeah. accident. They've never been to before. They're 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 disheveled. Their way of life has been changed. Has been slowed down. Has been slowed down. Like everything has been changed, and you have to be the voice of reason to guide them through that dark time. So you have to be like a psychiatrist slash adjuster slash, you know, voice of reason of hope to get them there. And then when you try to help these people out, they always find a way to fuck you day in, day out. It sucks. Yeah. It's just, it's just too much. And then they, like, it's, and then like, that's just the pressures from the customer. Then you have the pressures from the, from the, the corporate side. Hey, every call you ever make. So if I get a phone call from any customer, I have to go in a file look into it, and document the conversation I have with them. So it's a call center, too. The customer's a total loss if they dispute it. So let's say you have a 2012 Toyota Camry. I see your car's worth $10,000. They're like, fuck you, Elvis. This car's worth $16,000. I have to do the research to look up what the car's truly worth and then send it to a supervisor. If the value's over $10,000, I gotta send an overdraft authority to get permission to pay out the anything over ten. It's so much different things. And then it comes to rentals. Then it comes, do you know what diminished value is, Vinny? I think we talked about this before. Do you know what the depreciation of a value is? Uh, no. So, let's say you have a car that's like, you know, within 10 years. So, what, we're in 2021 right now. So, you have a car from like 2021 to 2011. If you have a car within 10 years, you're entitled to what's called diminished value. So that means your car lost value based on the damages of your vehicle. So we have to sit there, come up with a number, and pay the customer. That's straight cash coming to you, by the way. So if you get an accident within 10 years, you're owed money by the city of Georgia from the insurance company to give you money for depreciation of your vehicle. I can sit there and say, I could give you $300. I can give you $500. No matter who I talk to, always wants more money. It's free money. They know it. 
and they want more money. So we have to sit there and dispute it, send it down a chain, send it to a supervisor, send it to somebody else to approve it or what they can do to negotiate a better price. It's stupid, man. It's dumb. Oh, it sounds insane. It totally exhausting. sounds insane. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of... Well, speaking of uh, disgruntled employees, uh, we, got a, we got some uh, interesting stories we're going to get into here. This is one that I know you guys are begging for us to talk about. And we're going to talk about it right now. And that is, of course, Bray Wyatt released from WWE. Company confirmed this afternoon that Bray Wyatt had been released. Uh, WWE confirmed the news that Bray Wyatt has been released from the company. The news broke this evening on Twitter, where WWE official conf officially confirmed the news. Wyatt has been off WWE program for some time since the WrestleMania 37 pay-per-view event in Florida. There have been rumors of Bray Wyatt not being happy with the overall creative direction of the Fiend character. However, these are conflicting with the reports that Wyatt has a major part to play in his own creative. The Fiend character for Bray Wyatt is arguably some of his best work on the WWE main roster. However, his original cult leader, Wyatt family persona, is also lauded by fans and critics, especially in hindsight. There's no news on when Bray was made aware of his release. However, we can expect him to now be sitting out a 90-day non-compete clause. Some former WWE students have gone on to sign with AEW, such as Malachi Black, who was also who also portrayed a dark character on screen for WWE and NXT prior to that. Black was able to appear in AEW earlier than expected due to a clerical error, which meant he had a 30-day non-complete cause rather than in the standard 90 for a main roster superstar. Um, like you want to know my take on it? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I think we have enough wrestlers in AEW right now. I'm joking. No, Bray Wyatt would be a great addition <laughs> to AEW. Um, I mean, um, I mean, think about it this way. Bray fucking Wyatt. One of the, one of the person that could take chicken shit and make chicken salad out of it. You know, the Bray Wyatt thing fucking worked, right? The eater of the worlds. That was a great gimmick. The WWE slept on it, didn't know what to do with them. It was done. When the hiatus came back, The Fiend came out. The Fiend was supposed to be a flop. We all know that. He made it what it was. WWE, again, did not know what to do with it. It stayed for a while, and it's gone. I don't know how many times you can sleep on the Bray Wyatt character. Um, Bray Wyatt himself, with the Eater of the Worlds, even with the Fiend character, even with the TV show host, that, that is Bray Wyatt. He had so many different variations, and this guy was over. He was a merchandise seller. He was the most captivating thing on Monday Night Raw when Monday Night Raw was unwatchable and still kind of is to this point. He made it must-see TV. I think I only watched Monday Night Raw for the simple fact that he might be on to watch his little puppets on there. That thing we had last year with John Cena versus Bray Wyatt was fucking fantastic. A lot of people shed on it. I don't give a fuck what those people talk about. I thought that was brilliant. The brilliance of Mr. Rotundo is fucking fantastic. Now... Is he going to join AEW? I don't know. I wish he would. Having him versus Matt Hardy and a true testament of, like, you know, whatever the compound is for the Hardy and, like, Bray Wyatt, what it's like dark. I don't know, but the thing is, like, I wouldn't sleep on Bray Wyatt. I don't know what WWE doesn't see in him. I'm not sure what WWE is doing, whether they're selling all, like, I don't know why they're giving away all their talent, which me and TK, off the table right now, we're super happy about it. We'll, you know, we'll patiently wait 90 days. But, like, What's WWE doing? I mean, what are you doing? What's your talents? I don't get it. Like, how do you how do you sleep on someone like Bray Wyatt? 
who's been so prolific, who's been with the company for so long, who's given you main, like, he could have gave you so many main, but the thing is, like, the company couldn't think of anything to do with him, but he's great. So, you know what, though? <laughs> another person's trash is another person's treasure. I will treasure Bray Wyatt coming to AEW. It's going to happen. I don't care if it's New Japan, or if he goes to TNA, or if he goes to Impact, or if he goes to Ring of Honor, wherever he goes to, he's welcomed with open arms, wherever he goes. All trails lead to AEW regardless. If he gets on with AEW, or Ring of Honor, or Impact, or New Japan, all roads lead to AEW. He's going to eventually make his way over there. It doesn't matter where he starts at, it's going to eventually get there. So, I don't know what's going on with Bray Wyatt. I'm not sure how that happened. I'm not sure how Vince... I mean, is he senile? Is he done? Is he over with? I mean, we can do Bring the Rock back? Undertaker out of retirement? You got Goldberg already? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love seeing Legends. I love seeing this comeback. I think it's fucking fantastic. But you can't rely on those people. Bray Wyatt is a veteran. I mean, pretty much, right? With this, at this juncture in his life... Like what, are you, like, what are you doing missing on a golden opportunity to do something great with him? It's like you build him up so well, and it's kind of like, oh, I'm done playing with this toy. I'm going to put him away for a while. And I'm going to make Lodge Day chant. Like, uh, what happens? Like, how do you get to this point? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you see happening to Bray Wyatt now? And then 90 Day comp not compete. And I know I'm an AW analyst. So I'm kind of biased. I want to see him there. But at the same time, like, what, what, do, what does he do? Do you think he just kind of steps away for a while? Does he come back after 60 days? 90 days? What do you think happens? Nah. Oh, WWE creative. What? What? Wow. Seriously. <laughs> okay. My thing was, wherever Bray goes, he's going to fucking be great. Uh, also, side note, TNA and Impact, same company. Uh, but anyway, um... I had a feeling this was coming. It's, and I knew something was fucked up after at WrestleMania. Because night two of WrestleMania was one of the worst nights of wrestling I had ever seen. Which was funny and ironic because night one of WrestleMania was one of the best nights of wrestling I had ever seen. It was amazing. It was epic. It was entertaining. For night one of WrestleMania. Night two. The Fiend gets dropped with one RKO. You should have known something fucked up was happening there. Then they have this awkward thing with Alexa Bliss and him. Now they pretty much took this character that Bray Wyatt created. You hand it to Alexa Bliss on a silver platter. And I can't hate Alexa Bliss because she's a good person, you know. And he's, you know, they handed her a gimmick. She's running with it. She has no control over Bray's career. So I'm not giving her any shit, but I'm just making a point. They handed it to Alexa and fucking kept Bray off TV. And if Bray had a lot of control over his character, then he can't be mad about the direction his character's going, if you have control over it. What he doesn't have control over is the booking. That's what people need to realize there. And Bray, in my opinion, 
did everything possible to fucking get over. And let me make this abundantly clear if it's not clear already. We were way past the point of this being Cena's fault in any way. In any way. Now, people can argue, and I know they used it in the storyline, about Bray having going downhill after the feud with Cena. But let's be honest. Long after that feud was over, there were multiple chances to turn him around. In fact, I'll make a bold statement right now, and I've made this statement off the air and gotten some heat for it, but I don't give a fuck. I'll say it again. Everybody thinks Bray went downhill after losing to John Cena. I think Bray went downhill after he lost to The Undertaker. I would blame The Undertaker before I would blame John Cena. Unless you want to admit to me that Cena has more backstage power than The Undertaker. And let's be honest, he don't. Cena may have been a top guy on air, but in the locker room, no one was bigger than The Undertaker. Well, I mean, I think it was a culmination of the of both, man. Yeah. I mean, let's be you honest, know, though. There's, there was no logical reason for The Undertaker to ever win a match against Bray Wyatt. I think he should have let on his back and pass the torch to Bray. But you know what, though? Yeah. We can't sit there in hindsight and go back and forth, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Bray Wyatt's gone. Uh, they did him dirty. He, he, I think he literally poured his soul, his, his, his genius into every role he put into. He tried everything he can. The whole thing, like, anybody but you, John. You know, anybody but you, Roman. You know, that whole thing, whatever. Like, that was prolific. You know, his feud with, uh, with the Shield. Um, even when he tagged with Roman Reigns, it was fucking awesome. His mannerisms, his psychology, like, you know, his promos. It was, it was not for not. It was inspiring stuff. I mean, that's, if you're going to, if you're going to become a professional wrestler, if you're young, trying to go to a professional wrestling, just watch his antics. Try to, try to capture a tenth of it and you'll be great. That was It's only if you can capture it. It's like trying to, it's like trying to capture water with a fucking like, you know, uh, one of those rakes or something. It's really hard to, but if you capture some essence of that, you'd be fine. Yeah. People try to call him a modern-day Undertaker, and I disagree. I think he's a modern-day Jake the Snake. I would compare him to Jake the Snake before I compare him to Taker, which is funny and ironic because Taker admitted on the Broken Skull Sessions that when he was first developing the character, Jake was who he went to for advice on how to develop that character. So you see it. Combination of all of it. I and, think, um, I mean, you, you know, I'm a big Jake fan, right? I mean, yeah, I think Bray Wyatt surpassed Jake the Snake. I'm sorry to say it. Um, Jake was great, he was the innovator to my understanding. He was the innovator of the whole dark, speak lowly, but have people drawn in and like you know, you know, speak lowly and have people draw into what's going on, the psychology behind it. Jake was the innovator, he was the man, the whole talking low and have people like lean in to see what you're talking about and make everybody listen to you. It makes it like the fact you can talk so low to make everybody shut the fuck up. Just listen with what's going on. He's innovator of that. Undertaker, obviously he, he rolled on that one too. And Bray White, same thing. But 
Bray Wyatt actually is a hybrid of, I would say, Undertaker and Jake the Snake because he was actually to innovate and bounce and make, I want to say nursery rhymes. At the same time, he was able to, like, you know, make it engaging. And he had a certain twang when he talked about it. And you could follow along. It wasn't hard to follow. And it was it was perfect. And then the fact that he had, like, you know, a, I'm going to sound like CM Punk, but, like, a cult of personality, like, you wanted to follow. You wanted to see what he's gonna do next. Oh, you wanted to see what his. You wanted to see what the next promo was. You wanted to see his next fight. Even if he lost, how was he gonna take that loss? How would he bounce back? Like you had that hope. Like okay, well, Bray's gonna do something else. And like that's the thing. It kept building him up. Kept building him up. It's like they put his beautiful base behind him. He was being pushed forward. And all of a sudden, just to be knocked back down. They build him up again. It's like it was like it was like it's like traffic, right? You're supposed to get to work, and like you're fighting to get to work. You don't really want to work, but you, you have to get there because you want to be there at a certain time. Otherwise, you're fired. But you finally get to work, and it's kind of like, ugh, fucking work. You yeah. get to work, and everything goes to shit. You go back home, you come back, and you fight it over. It's like it's 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 a it's a vicious cycle, and it was tough because as no matter how hard you are, it's like say that would be Cesaro. Cesaro, man, I I have faith in that man, and I can't blame it for the man for it. It's the it's the shit. It's like pizza, right? You don't like everything in a pizza. There's shit you like and shit you don't, but it's still pizza. You still like it. It's kind of like, ah, oh, fuck. This motherfucker put anchovies on it. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, you know, this guy put fucking pineapple on my fucking pizza. What the fuck? The fucking you sin. like pizza. You can always take that shit up. It's kind of like, man, I can't blame the pizza. The pizza's just a pizza. It's the shit on top of it that sucks. Yeah. It's like Bray White as a character is a pizza. He's great. It's just the shit surrounding him that sucks because they just can't sit there and figure out what to do with this amazing piece of pizza. Well, we can't put him as a, a breakfast pizza because he's not quite a breakfast pizza. And he's not quite a lunchtime pizza, but he's not something you want to take home either from your takeout. So it's kind of like, what the fuck do you do with this piece of pizza? It's amazing. Is he a pizza for supper time? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 hear, I hear you saying. <laughs> yes. But the thing is, is that, and like you said before, when when Bray did the the Firefly Funhouse, here's the thing, that wasn't designed to fail. It's just that when people first saw it, they had the same opinion of this that they did when they first saw Broken Matt Hardy. Everyone, when they first saw it, thought this is stupid, this is garbage, this is not going to get over and they are killing this person. And within a couple of weeks, it became the most over thing in the company. Just like in but TNA, they, Broken Matt Hardy over time became the most over thing. Not only the most over thing in the company, it was the most over thing in wrestling was Broken Matt. And he built it and built it and committed to it until you loved it. Bray did the same thing here. Because here's the thing. The Fiend didn't show up till like, a couple of months. We went months before we saw The Fiend. All we saw was the Bray in the funhouse with the red sweatshirt and the Mr. Rogers meets Pee Wee's Playhouse shit. That's all we saw for weeks. That and the muscle man dance and meeting all the puppets. That's what we saw. It was, And then eventually he said, I have a secret. And that's when we started seeing elements of The Fiend. And it wasn't until SummerSlam we officially saw The Fiend and Finn Balor got fucked up six ways from Sunday. So he built that thing 
That wasn't designed to fail. That was designed to get over, but people thought it was going to fail at first sight. But people forgot how fucking good Bray Wyatt is. This guy is the prime example of turning chicken shit into chicken salad. And even like you said before about nursery rhymes, this is a guy who got an entire fucking stadium to sing. He's got the whole world in his hands. An entire, not an arena, a stadium. A fucking stadium. And it was the Superdome, or Silverdome if you're Hulk Hogan. One of the biggest freaking buildings in the world. It was fucking amazing. And he could even do, even during the feud with Roman Reigns, where he did, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. And he had it singing all over again. Like, fucking, he could do anything. Bray literally had the power to say fucking anything and get it over. It's kind of like Jericho during his last run in WWE when he was doing It or Quiet or The List. Like, Bray could just get anything over. This guy was fucking incredible. It was a good thing he got a couple runs with the world title. We at least saw that. So he wasn't completely destroyed. But... WWE did definitely make a lot of mistakes with this guy. Because he was over. He was in, This dude had all the tools needed. But for whatever reason, they would not give him the ball. And it's goddamn ridiculous. And if Bray goes to AEW, I hope they give him the ball. Because there's times where we see big stars come. They get a little bit of a push. And then they go to the back of the line. So they don't go completely to the back of the line, but there's some guys that come in that should have been scoring a touchdown, but they just get the first down and then that's it. And then they go sit on the bench. So I want to make sure if Bray Wyatt goes to AEW, they damn well better strap a fucking rocket ship to him. Strap the fucking rocket ship. That's all I'm going to no. say. No, I say no. I say you let Bray Wyatt do what he does because if he had so much great control and got that shit over in a very controlled atmosphere, I think Tony Khan just says, hey, man, this is your platform. You do you, and however far it goes, you take it there. It's not about stripping a rocket. It's about producing something on TV and see what, like... You know, AEW likes to sit there and let people do what they want to do. If it sticks, it's great, and it's going to make a great TV show. If it flops, it, it, they'll give it a chance. I mean, everybody everybody saw how that be, uh, Miro, the Best Man series, they went on for weeks upon end. It was garbage. And eventually, when they broke out of that, and now Miro is the Redeemer now, that took a long while to get away from that to go to something else. So I want to give him a strap rocket. No, don't let the rocket take off yet. Let him build himself to see how he fits into the whole picture. If that's the case, the Bray Wyatt has done like the, the eater of the worlds and the fiend character. Let him build his own. He's a creative dude. He could do another something else that's better. I'm not saying start a rocket to it though. The fans are are going to be the ignition. If he gets over the way he did in WWE slightly, you know the AEW fans are going to eat it up. The IWC is going to eat it up. He doesn't sit there and put a rocket to his back. The ignition's going to be the fans itself, and Tony Khan hears the fans all the time. So I'm not worried about that. 
No, no, I'm, I'm not saying that as far... When I say strap the rocket to him, I'm not talking about... I'm, I know the fans are going to love it. What I'm saying is don't, don't wait six months to a year to make this guy a main eventer. Put him there. He's there. Well, I think AEW likes to you know, bring people who were in the main events back to main event levels. If you're a mid-carder, despite if you are, and you know, Miro, he was never really a championship caliber person. He was a mid-carder. Let's face it. He's a mid-carder in AEW right now. I mean, he's way more devastating right now. But Miro wasn't really a fucking main eventer as much as I wanted him because everybody knows how, you know, when he came out of the tank, I was a big Miro fan when he was Rusev. Rusev Day and everything else. I mean, how many times we went to the shows, my shows I used to have for our, our little pay-per-views, I was the biggest flag bearer for Rusev. Yeah. You were a big Cena guy. I remember I remember you and I having a little feud. It wasn't a feud. It's just like, you know, you like Cena and I like Rusev. You know, you, you liked your face and I like my heels. And it was just a fun little bicker back and forth. But, yeah. you know, I've always been a fan. But the thing is, like, he was never more than a mid-carder. I, I can't say he was more. I wish he was more. Well, yeah, but I get if that. I to, if I was to generalize his, his, his standpoint in WWE, he was always a mid-carder. So he started off as a mid-carder in AEW. I think they balance yeah. it out from where you were there to here. Yeah, and I know, and I'm saying, but uh, yeah, Miro, Miro's in the spot he needs to be in right now. Absolutely. I'm just saying, I just saying that I don't want if Bray if Bray comes in, I don't want him coming in and taking a back seat to the EVPs. No, I hear you, I hear you, and I do see that conclusion. But the thing is, like. I think there's so many different avenues you could take when it comes to AEW. Um, obviously, with the Dark Order, they could do something with that. I'm um, something with Malachi Black. You know, Mal- uh, Malachi Black. Um, there's so many different avenues. He doesn't have to go for the title picture straight away. Obviously, keep him in a main event scene, make him pre- prevalent, and make him something to be, you know, a threat to be worked with. But he doesn't have to necessarily go for the title right away. He could be impactful in other ways. Um, I could see some of the ascension with the Dark Order. Just because they're a whole bunch of... They're supposed to be a cult that's not a cult anymore. They're a laughingstock right now. I'm pretty sure he could manipulate the Dark Order to get that taken care of as well, so... <laughs> I, I mean, I hope so, but, I, but I've also I've heard John Silver say that they don't need a leader for the Dark Order. That they no, 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 I get that, but, but here's the thing, though. With Bray Wyatt, with the way his past is... He doesn't have to sit there and take over the Black Order or, or the Dark Order. But the thing is, he could cause dissension and make people fall away from the Dark Order and start his own little Dark Order type thing. Where Evil Uno will probably be like the heart and soul or maybe even, you know, a hangman on a page. I don't know. But at the same time, he could sit there and start something and actually be like, you know, you start off with a prophecy. You start off with a, a quote. You start off with, with, a, with a promise to help the unfortunate, the guys who are losers in life, the ones who lost their purpose. You guys had someone before. Unfortunately, he did pass away. I knew him myself. He was a brother of mine. I know him. You try to make a difference in your life. And since his passing, you guys are becoming a laughing joke. There's still people out there trying to sit there and make a difference. There's still people out there looking for a, a guiding light to gut him through the dark times. Now, Brody, he couldn't fulfill that promise because his body has failed him. I am a living embodiment of what is true and real in his life. Join the true dark order. That's it. Hmm. That's a great promo. Thanks. That I'm would be great. That that would work, man. That would work if they were going to do that. 
If they present it like that, it could work. Because I know... Hey, if you're listening, man. I know, I know you're listening, but uh, that's how you book that shit. Hey, man. Let's book it. Um, and, uh, but yeah. That was really fucking good. Holy shit. It was very good, mouth, dude. That was very wow. good. All right. And on that note, um, I think we've... Is there anything else we need to say about Bray Wyatt or should we move on? Um, oh, he's a good wrestler. I like him. That's it. All right. <laughs> Well, earlier we were talking about pizza. Pizza, baby. Um, pizza, baby. Speaking of pizza, we got to talk about this shit because it makes me laugh hysterically. Domino's issue statement on Pizza Cutter Spot on AEW Dynamite. The company's not happy about the Pizza Cutter Spot from the Dynamite main event. Chris Jericho and Nick Gage put on a brutal match on this week's episode of Dynamite. Some say it was impressive. I say it was fucking garbage. Though it appears that the pizza cutter spot in the back didn't go over very well. What the fuck? Huh? Oh, was you okay? I'm here. I heard a loud thud. No, I'm good. Okay. Though it appears that the pizza cutter spot in the back didn't go over very well with Domino's. The company released a statement to front office sports regarding the spot. In the statement as seen below, spokeswoman Jenny of Four Acre Petco I don't think that's how you pronounce it, but that's how it sounds to me. Said they are addressing, they're assessing their advertising presence on the show. She says, and I quote, We share the concerns expressed about this incident and the content of this TV 14 rated program and are assessing our advertising presence on it going forward. For those who don't know, the fight for the Fallen Special Dynamite saw former AEW champion Chris Jericho taking on hardcore wrestler, which is an insult to hardcore wrestlers, Nick Gage, in a notice qualification match. Actually, it was a death match, but we can't say that on TV. There was one point in the bout where Gage used a pizza cutter on his opponent. Right after he cut up in Jericho's head, the broadcast went into split-screen mode. The second screen featured a Domino's commercial with an image of a pizza being sliced. This got a lot of attention on social media. Many people wondered the two companies worked together for the spot, though this report made it clear that the pizza delivery chain was not involved, and it appears they didn't have any prior knowledge of it either. <laughs> you know what's funny? What? I watched this match, and I saw the whole Domino's Pizza thing, whatever, and I never, never put two and two together. So in real time, I had no idea. Like, I didn't really think about it. I was just thinking, like, oh, it's a commercial. Because you know how it is when you watch commercials. You just don't really think about it. So, like, it's like they could have had a, a fucking KFC. I, I, would, I, would, I would zone out because I think I zone out when it comes to commercials. Yeah. And after hearing all this bullshit on, on social media and I hear it, I chuckled so fucking hard thinking about like, okay, you know, Chris Jericho is getting sliced up by a pizza thing, whatever. Domino's pizza is like under fire because of the commercials on there. And mind you, Domino's is a huge contributor to TNT. So this is a, this is a big fucking deal. Let's not, let's not stir away from what's going on. They pay a lot of money to get a commercial. They happen to be on during a gory time of a wrestling thing. But here's the funny thing. Since a little bloodbath, there's two conspiracies. One of them being that, um, WWE actually contacted a whole bunch of journalists to report this, which means that Vince McMahon was watching AEW, didn't like what's going on, put two and two together because he's been working commercials for a long time and product placement, whatever, and said, hey, Domino's, that's kind of fucked up that uh, there's someone's using a pizza cutter and there's a pizza commercial during the same time. Because it was just a regular commercial, which only lasts about, what, 10, 15 seconds? No one puts two and two together. It happens so fast. Our attention span is so small that we wouldn't think twice of it. So I think someone kind of nudged them in the right direction and say, hey, um, I'm not going to contact Domino's, but we should probably get this 
online for a bit. That's one of the ongoing things. Now, WWE's never going to sit there and say, yeah, we definitely contacted the right people, but they're, they're pointing the fingers to say WWE did call the journalists to point it out, first and foremost. Number two, here's a funny thing. We've had other promotions or other companies who wants to jump in. It's like, hey, if uh, Domino's doesn't want to fucking be on those spots, give it to us because they know demographic. Uh, let's just say PBR has Blue Ribbon and uh, fucking Little Caesar says, hey, if they don't want to fucking like give you those spots, if they don't want those spots, we'll fucking take them. So, <laughs> it may have lost something with Domino's, but there's other people who are ready to jump on. So, Domino's Pizza, before you, before you act like you're all high and mighty, maybe think about your spot you're in because our demographic is selling those pizzas. Guess what, Domino's? You guys just lost a fucking viewer because, uh, I, guess, I tell you what, though. I'm going to boycott Domino's because you always little bitches, and I'm going to Pizza Hut. How about that? Suck a dick. And guess what, though, Vinny? When you come over to my house for SummerSlam in a couple weeks, guess what we're ordering, buddy? Little Caesars because they want to jump up to that spot. So I'll tell you what, though. Out of spite, no Domino's, Pizza Hut's, and Little Caesars, and PBR is going to be at my party here next couple weeks. Just okay. for fuck's sakes. Okay, well, obviously... You know, ultimately it's your house, so I can't control what's going to be there, although I can bring my own stuff if I want, because uh, obviously I like Little Caesars. We've had Little Caesars here in the studio many, many times. Many uh, times. So I have nothing against Little Caesars. I refuse to drink PBR because, A, I'm going to be driving to your house, and I don't drink when I'm driving somewhere. Uh, but also PBR tastes like fucking piss. So it's basically piss in a can, and I will never drink that nasty shit. Um, delicious. It's dude, it's fucking horrible. Come on, it's it's nasty as fuck. Um, drink. You, you know, you're not a connoisseur of the beer, so I yeah, I've drank I've drank and I drank enough beer, and I've had PBR before, and it tastes like piss. Okay, I'll tell you what though, we went to, we went to New Orleans and had a couple of shots. We had PBRs. You had no qualms about it at all, and we had a great fucking night. So don't tell me PBR tastes like piss. It does taste like piss. And when did yeah, I drink okay, PBR? Bye. In New Orleans. Where? Yeah. Where? What? What? Where? Was it? When we, was it when we were at the bar? Yes, sir. That was PBR. We had PBR and we had Jack. Okay, if we had PBR, it was probably because you bought it for me. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, that's why. Because uh, you you were buying it for me, and I didn't want to be rude, so I drank it. Because you were you were nice enough to buy me a beer, but I did. But we, if it was up to me, I didn't drink it. The thing is, like you know, when you have so, you, we have someone drink something that doesn't taste right. You do that bitter beer face. It's kind of like oh, whatever. But no, you you drank it like a fucking man. Um, yeah, because I, I am a fucking man, and I was being well, polite. I was you being polite. I did it out of respect you are, you, and politeness you to you, not because I like PBR. It tastes like piss. You are a boy. You are you are a boy in a man's body, Benny. Okay, let's just say that. Okay? No, you're just finding this out. <laughs> It took me seven years or ten years or whatever, but took yeah, you, yeah, it took you long enough. I I, I haven't really Almost hidden 40. that fact, Elvis. Let me look. I mean, Christ's sake, look at my fucking studio. Yeah, you, you have a lot of toys. I should know. I that. have a, yeah, okay. I, I have a lot of. In fact, here's how crazy I am about toys. Uh, this past Saturday, we were in McDonough doing a wrestling show, and Buff had two action figures he was selling, and I said, "Look, I said if nobody wants, if nobody ever buys that one, can I put it in my office?" Which one was it? Well, there was two. There was one that of him, and there was like a toy wheelchair. Because when because Buff and Steiner used to do a bunch of segments when Buff was in a wheelchair back when he was injured. 
Mm-hmm. So they had one with a wheelchair. Somebody bought that one. And there's another one with just buff. And I can't remember what, what, what else is in there. But I told him, I said, if nobody buys that, I want to put that in my office. Because I'll put it next to the... Because I have an autographed Triple H one that the regular guys gave me years ago um, that I would also put right... That I would put the buff one right next to it. Because... Okay. Because regular guys used to do this segment called boot. Remember, do you remember the segment they used to do called uh, Bootleg for Talladega? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, for those who don't know, is um, they they would give out tickets to the Talladega Speedway for races, and basically what you would do is you would get two tickets, but you would have to give them something for the tickets instead of money. You could barter. So one guy had a autographed Triple H action figure and offered to give it to the regular guys in exchange for tickets. So they, there was that and three other items. I can't remember the other items. And then the regular guys would decide amongst themselves which items they liked and whichever item they liked, that person won the tickets. And you had to bring the item to the studio. So they chose that action figure because they knew I would love it. So they got the action figure. The guy brought the action figure in, gave it to the station. They gave, they gave him the tickets. And when I came in later that Friday, they handed me the action figure. And I still have it. It's at the house. So it was awesome. So I remember they gave me that. Um, and then also, so when I saw the that Buff had an action figure available, I was like, you know, can I put that in my office? But obviously, if he can make money with it, I want him to do that because money for him means money for me. But if, he, if, if for some reason we just have a bitch of a time selling it, I'll ultimately just say, hey, man, let me put that in my office. It'll go, it'll go to good use. So... Obviously, there's, there's that. And I don't know how we got on this topic. Oh, yeah, right. I'm a boy in a man's body. My point is, um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of PBR, but I am a fan of Domino's. So you, you can say bad things about Domino's. I, on the other hand, love Domino's because I've eaten there a lot. And also, they were in my documentary. So obviously i would want domino's you know you can you can put your advertising money here because it will go to good use domino's uh you know if you, if you pay for if you pay for spots on the boochcast you're not gonna you're not gonna be upset with anything that we say on here because we love pizza and we don't slice people with pizza cutters because we have morals and ethics and values and common fucking sense not me, man. I don't give a shit about them. All right. They, they lost but 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 here's the thing, though, is that but, but we, and even though we're kind of saying this, at the end of the day, this is not a good thing for AEW because now with this going public, people are now going to pay attention to what's being presented on AEW. Like now. If they were flying under the radar with TNT, they are now on the fucking radar. Which and if, and if they do something TNT doesn't like, that could fuck up the TV spot. And all advertisers are going to be watching too. And if they see shit that they find deplorable, they might walk away. So this oh. is bad for AEW. They got to really be careful now. Don't worry about it. Well, here's the thing. Here's why you need to worry about it, Elvis, because this is a key thing. And I learned this from Impact Wrestling, and I'll even give another example. Beverly Hills 90210 is another great example of this. I know you got these million, one million plus ratings every week. 
and they're great. But here's the thing. You can have millions of people watching your show. You can have high ratings. But if you get put on a do not advertise list, they will pull you. Because advertisements is how TV stations make money. They don't make money on ratings. They make money on advertisements. The ratings are what bring in the advertisers or entices them to want to buy. But here's the big question with Domino's, and I learned this recently because we have a commercial for UCW, which I recently played the audio version of it here on the show. It played at the beginning. I'm going to add it at the beginning of this episode. But there's two things about it. You have either general advertising or specific. I don't know what the terms are, but I just know that's what it is. There's general advertising where you just go to TNT and say, I want to buy spots on your whole channel. That's a cheap price. So that means it could air on during any time on TNT. It could air during AEW. It could air during a rerun of Supernatural. It could air during a basketball game or a movie or whatever. Or you have specific advertising where I want it to run during this show at this time, at these time slots, and you pay more money, which is what we did with UCW commercials because we have a commercial that airs in the Carolinas. It airs in Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, and Charlotte. And we arranged it so that it would air on different stations. For example, we have it airing on Vice TV, and it's during the time that Dark Side of the Ring plays. So this week, if you see Dark Side of the Ring anywhere, you'll see that commercial. We also have it set up on the USA Network to where it's going to air during Monday Night Raw tonight at the time you're listening to this. It's Monday. We also have it set up to where it could air during AEW and SmackDown. We have it set up to where it airs on wrestling shows, and the reason we did that is because wrestling fans are more likely to come to a wrestling show. If you try to air it during, like, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, no one on there is going to give a fuck about wrestling. But during those wrestling shows... They catered it. So what? It, so if Domino's decided to air this during AEW, this is basically, then at this point, they're like, well, we're never going to fucking do that again. Or if they did it during all of TNT, then they're going to call TNT and say, put it on everything but this. And if you get enough advertisers to put AEW on a do not advertise list, they will get fucked, no matter how many people watch. So... This is the time AEW, I know this is a difficult thing for Kenny and the Bucks to do, but y'all got to think business, people. Because if you don't, you're going to get fucked. And that's all I'm saying. Um, I say, no, I'm good. I'll eat Domino's. <laughs> hey. I'm not saying you have to eat at Domino's. I'm just saying this is not good. Nope, nope. I'm good, man. I, you know, I, I think it's fine. I don't need Domino's in my life. Actually, I just, actually, as we just spoke, I just checked on my phone. I had a Domino's app. I just deleted it. So <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's how you do it. Um, wow. Yep, Pizza Hut for life, baby. Little Caesars. In my life, PBR. Welcome back to my life, bro. Um, 
Wanna be petty? I wanna sit there? Yeah, you got some sponsorship. You got some views, whatever. If you don't like the content, that's fine. You wanna sit there and like renegotiate what's going on though? You know, Domino's Pizza? I need you, bro. You need us. What? You might wait you might sit Domino's there doesn't like Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Domino's does not need AEW. Fucking serious. You know what our spots cost for? If we're getting over a million every week for the past couple weeks, I'm sorry, buddy. It's a trajectory. Like three weeks. It's not like a one time fluke or two times. Three times in a week. Three times in a row to get over a million. That's not just some fluke. That's some good shit. It's only going to get better week after week after week. More, pe more people are going to watch to see if Dale O'Brien, CM Punk, one of these people jump on week to week. People are going to jump on just for the curiosity sakes of it. So you're telling me Donald's doesn't want to get that demographic on a Wednesday night when we've been high, one of the highest ranked cable TV shows on Wednesday every fucking week? Yeah, Domino's, you're a little bit too big for your bridges. I know you've been around for a long time. I get it, though. You're a pizza company. I don't need your advertisement on my fucking TV show. If you're going to be, like, pulling that fucking card or whatever, we perfectly placed a pizza cutter with a pizza fucking commercial. We made you relevant, you son of a bitch. <laughs> be humble and be happy for what you have. You're lucky we put you on our show at all. Oh, you my piece God. Of garbage fucking pizza company. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That I'm is... going there. <laughs> wow. Fuck Domino's. I'll say it right now. Fuck them. Pizza all day, baby. You can't out pizza the hut, baby. Oh my god, that is pizza, wow. Pizza, pizza, pizza. You can't go wrong with do that. We, do we have enough room on this show for Elvis's ego right now? Fuck. I'm just, I'm just saying. What, what's, what's, what's the Domino's Pizza slogan? We'll try to make better pizza. Fuck you guys. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I want a garbage pizza. I, I go to Domino's. I get it though. I'm gonna go to my dumpster. And I'm going to be like, all right, cool. Here's some Domino's pizza. I mean, oh, boy. All right. Okay. Well, here's an interesting article I found earlier today. I want to talk about this. Um, and it concerns our buddy TK. Um, Tony Khan comments on his reluctance to use countout or DQ finishes. I got to talk about this. In an interview with the Way of the Blade podcast via Fightful, AEW president Tony Khan spoke about not using disqualification or count out finishes much in AEW, noting that he prefers conclusive endings. He said, this is a quote, count out finishes aren't always popular. For me as a promoter, you can count on one hand the number of count out and disqualification finishes that I've done. I really like doing conclusive finishes, but I definitely think a count out is a much more conclusive finish than a disqualification. Sometimes there's a storyline reason for both, but ultimately it often feels unsatisfying. I will not let people off the hook for hit, for this could, I feel like, half the matches on the show are like a disqualification, and it's been that way my whole life with multiple promotions on television. Really, the competitive promotions on television, such a large percentage of their matches ended in a disqualification. I found it very unsatisfying. Instead, you watch ECW or All Japan, and there are a lot more finishes, and maybe the happy medium is something like Smoky Mountain Wrestling was a very well-booked promotion. I have no problem doing with doing it. Sometimes I probably underdo them to the point where you never see them. But when we do them, they really do make sense. I 
I think so, man. I mean, like, you want to have a conclusive thing, whatever. I mean, countouts, it's unsatisfactory and how you would say unclimatic, the way you say it. <laughs> it's not climatic. You know, you go through this whole motion, you go through the matches, you do the entries, you do whatever, just to be done with the countout. I know that's a stipulation to win, I get it, but it seems kind of cheap, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. You know, being a strike on the outside, it's kind of like, uh-oh, 10 count. It doesn't really... You don't really get up... So, imagine this, right? You have a blood feud, right? You have John Cena versus Randy Orton, the final one. Randy, Randy Orton's finally in the apex of what's going on, though. And then John Cena's finally back for his last hurrah. And John Cena and, and Randy Orton get into his blood feud. And they're like, oh, you've always been a thorn in my side. And I always wanted to beat you for the championship. Well, whatever. They don't even have a championship. Like, you've always been there. When I was there, you were there. We're both at the top of our game, whatever. And we're supposed to get this taken care of. So imagine John Cena and Randy Orton not only just busting out the classics, but busting out the new moves. They're having a five-star match finally, right? Everything's going well. And what happens? It's a fucking count-out. How do you feel about that, Vinny? Well, it depends. Oh, fuck you. I'm going to tell you. No, I'm going to tell you. No, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Is this the final fight after a long-told story? Or is this the first fight in what's supposed to be a three, four-match program? Give me the circumstances. Is this the final battle between Cena and Orton? And we've seen this epic story that's supposed, and this is supposed to be the climactic fight. Is that what we're doing? Yes, sir. Thank you. In that case, there should be no DQ or count out. But if this is the first match in a long rivalry, I damn well better see a DQ or a DQ or count out. But. I better see it on fucking TV. Because TV is where you do the DQs and the countouts. So you can build to the pay-per-view where you make people pay money to see the final battle. That is how wrestling is structured. I'll admit as a kid, I fucking hated DQ. The only time I've ever gotten irate and pissed off over a DQ or a countout was on a fucking pay-per-view. When WWE or WCW used to do them on fucking pay-per-views, I flipped my shit. Because I believe DQs and countouts belong nowhere on a pay-per-view. In fact, now on Raw and SmackDown... Do them. I'm fine with them. Why? Because it tells the story. It gives me a reason to want to watch them fight again. Because the guy had to DQ to get out of the situation. Or they got counted out. Because the guy got knocked out outside the ring. Or chased another dude up the ramp. Or they both got double counted out. Because they just fought and they couldn't contain it. So it's like, all right, fine. You guys are going to fight at the pay-per-view. It's going to be false count anywhere. Now you have no excuse. And that's how you build a fucking story. Wow, it, you're it, absolutely right. It's, 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 like, it's almost like you order Domino's pizza and like you wait for about an hour for your pizza to get there. And it's not there and they give you horrible service. When you call back over there, they take you to an automated system and you get like a one-star like star review on Yelp. Oh my god damn it, Domino's Pizza, what the fuck? It's like a count out. Oh my god damn, it's so cheap. It's so bullshit. It made you wait for so long, and you get fucking nothing from Domino's Pizza. It's some bullshit, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't believe I just gave you a valid fucking reason and you used to take a cheap shot at Domino's. You petty motherfucker. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Sorry, it's fine. It's funny. It's funny. But I'm just saying, like, that's what's bothering is that if you if you give a conclusive match a finish where it's like conclusive on TV, there's no incentive to watch the match again on a pay-per-view. I just watched him get his ass kicked for free. Why would I pay for it? That's that's the first question. Then here's the second question. I know. When you don't have DQs and finishes, and this is one of AEW's biggest problems, is that every wrestler on the show buries the referee. Why the fuck are they even there? What is the point in having a referee in a wrestling ring if he's not allowed to enforce the rules and maintain order. They just fucking stand there like fucking mannequins. It's like that movie Mannequin with that chick from Sex in the City. One minute she's moving around, the next minute she's a fucking mannequin pose. That's what the referees do. They're human fucking mannequins. I get it, dude. I'm so pissed off. Like it's like it's like when I order Donald's pizza, when I order a fucking like Lipton iced tea, and they give me a fucking Coke and ask for like half jalapenos. But they put all jalapenos, and I'm like, my friend doesn't like jalapenos, but they put jalapenos on there. I'm like, God damn it, Domino's Pizza. What the fuck? I'm like, what the shit is going on? A jalapenos is sitting in my fucking goddamn pizza, and I'm like, what the fuck? This is some bullshit, Domino's Pizza. You're getting a one-star review. You're a dick. <laughs> Such a dick. I'm a dick. I'm addicted to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, though, is they they can't. That's what I do. I even want to keep going. <laughs> okay. All right, I get it. You're pissed at Domino's. Can you? Can we at least agree on making valid points here? At least agree no, on you're that. Right, you're right. But, I agree. I agree. I feel like. <laughs> don't, don't you fucking do it again. This this qualifications has its place in time, but not all the time. It's like when you want to order a delicious pizza, you can just simply just go to a Little Caesars and order it straight from the counter. Or if you want some delicious pizza, just order Pizza Hut. It's good shit. Such good I'm shit. Done. I'm done. It's such good shit. All right. Thanks, pal. <laughs> But Jesus. Let's go. I'm so sorry. I had to do it. <laughs> oh my god. You know what though? The, the, the name of the show should be called Fuck Dominoes. That, that's, that's the best thing. <laughs> hashtag fuck dominoes. Well how about we just put fuck dominoes and, and hashtag beat up John Cena? It, dude, that's perfect. I like it. That that rolls off the tongue. Perfect. Uh become a sponsor other than that though we love dominoes but until then yeah i'd say if they be, i, I, I was dominoes. i was actually trying i was actually hoping one day they would be since i had those dominoes boxes on my documentary now i don't don't think we're gonna have them 
Hey, Little Caesars wants to pick us up. That's great, because like I said, we've eaten Little Caesars many times here in the studio. So... I think I actually actually I would say majority of the pizza we ate from those Caesars. So seriously, eat up Domino's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so but yeah, here's what I found. I will say this about Tony Khan though. I found this interesting. He said Smoky Mountain Wrestling was a well booked promotion. I did okay. not expect him to say that. You know Tony Khan's a re- fucking wrestling nerd, right? Like. Vinny, you're you're a wrestling nerd. I'm a wrestling nerd. I mean, we have we watch different periods. You do, you're like a Wikipedia when it comes to encyclopedia when it comes to like I I can't remember dates and matches and whatever. I remember seeing it. I, I can tell you what's gonna happen when it, when I, if I watch it again or something. Um, when it comes to trivia, I, you know I'm more of a you know I'm a good guesser type thing whatever. Um, but we watch different wrestling. I watch multiple promotions. I have a vast array of different indie promotions and. Japan and different things I watch, whatever. But Tony Khan was like the biggest wrestling nerd. Like, I mean, like, you know, having wrestling tapes and being a tape trader back in the day when that was a thing before YouTube. So, I mean, I know Tony Khan may look like, you know, he's a good booker. He won Booker of the Year last year, obviously. Um, He's a massive nerd. Like, he's almost like on a massive nerd levels of, may I say, even Jim Cornette. I know Jim Cornette doesn't agree with everything he puts on there because it's a whole different thing, whatever. But it's like, don't don't deter the product you see on TV for the for his love for wrestling. Because the thing is, like, without everybody losing their jobs, imagine this. Imagine a world right now. See that gif you have on there? That's me being um, Buzz Lightyear, and that's you right there, right? Yeah. Um, imagine a world where AW was actually not a promotion, and all this great talent just. Being like, go. What do you do? Exactly. You would. You would have. You would have very little places to go. You would just have Impact. You yeah. would have Ring of Honor. You would have. Japan or. You know, TNT's number two promotion on there. Impact has been a laughing stock. I'm sorry, I watch Impact. I do, but it, it is a laughing stock. New Japan, not a, pe- a lot of people are privy to it. The Ring of Honor. Who knows when that's fucking on? I mean, I do because I watch it, <laughs> but you really have to seek it out. You have to search it out. If you're not, if you're a casual fan, you're not going to catch it. So where would Malachi Black go? Where would Miro go? You know, where would John Moxley go? You know, where's CM Punk going to go? Like CM Punk wouldn't even be coming back anymore. Dale and Bryan wouldn't be going anywhere else either. We're creating all these fucking buzz for a lot of different things. I know I'm a big raw raw guy for AEW. I get it. You know, that's just me in a nutshell. Kenny Omega's nuts. Kool-Aid, whatever. Um, but imagine we didn't have the promotion. That means we have to actively seek out all these indie promotions, you know, New Japan or you know, all these different promotions. It'd be hard for us. We're lucky to have a Tony Khan. Like, we are truly ha- we are truly lucky to have someone like TK who's got the backing from his father. He's got tons of money. He owns a soccer club up in the fucking Euros. He's got a football team here in America. And we're just so lucky to have a fucking guy who likes this little niche piece of shit thing we like so much. We're 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 lucky. I'm not saying AEW is perfect, but Tony Khan's a fucking nerd. He truly oh, is. If you oh. see his photographs, he's a he's a fucking nerd, and he loves his product. And the fact is, he's giving these people a chance. He's giving Sting a second chance, Christian Cage a second chance, Mark Henry, Big Show. I mean, he's giving all these people chances. Taz. 
like Damn. something to do. I mean, I know it's not perfect right now. I mean, AEW is never going to be perfect for another five years. I get it. Oh yeah, and like we're, we're we're fortunate to have a a wrestling nerd that's a billionaire. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's great. I didn't. I, w- I didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying. He mentioned Smoky Mountain, which is Jim Cornette's old promotion. And I know Cornette talks so much shit about Tony Khan. So I was kind of impressed that he was willing to admit that Smoky Mountain Wrestling is a very well booked promotion. I was like, I think well, that's very big thing, of him to go that route. I think, Tony Khan, I think Tony Khan really takes it to heart when Jim Cornette says this stuff because I think you may not know because you know, obviously the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have problems with. Um, What's it called with Jim Cornette, whatever, because of the bookings they used to work back in the past. I think Tony Khan really does respect Jim Cornette and he takes his word on it. But the thing is, like, he's putting out a promotion, he's making a new modern thing. And the thing is, I love Jim Cornette too. I do. I told you, I, I've said on multiple podcasts, I'll say it again. Brilliant storyteller. I think he has a lot of great insight when it comes to the wrestling business. I wish I had um, a fraction of Jim Cornette's ideas, his inside of history. The thing is that the, the product's changed since he was part of it. I know he wants his pure wrestling, and I, I, I commend him for it, but the thing is that's not the way wrestling is anymore. Football is not what it was 20 years ago. Same thing with basketball. You know, when you watch, like, The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, those days of being pushed around and doing everything else, it's not like that anymore. Every sport is transcended to something else. Basketball's not basketball anymore. Baseball's not baseball anymore. Football's not football anymore. Hockey stayed the same because football, I mean, hockey's hockey, but who's watching hockey? I mean, I do from time to time. No one's watching it. But the thing is, every sport that has the national spotlight has to evolve and change. And Jim Cornette's stuck in a bubble where he can't evolution. Evolution was never going to take place for him. But the thing is, we need people like Jim Cornette. I think Tony Khan, when he hears the derogatory um, notes of what he says to Tony Khan, I think Tony Khan takes it to heart. But the thing is, he won't let that deter him from his vision of making a wrestling promotion to counterbalance WWE. It's tough because he knows, like, the wrestling he grew up loving is not going to be the same of what Jim Cornette's vision is going to be. But Jim Cornette's vision of wrestling won't actually survive outside the walls of his own imagination. Like, everybody would love to sit there and see a Jim Cornette promotion where it actually takes off and it's actually true, true pure wrestling. But you had that in NWA. Where's NWA right now? They're a good promotion. They're not bad. But it won't it won't see the light outside of fucking YouTube. Or maybe a TBS or something. But it's not gonna get there for a long time. And NWA's been on there for like NWA was going on longer than fucking AEW. So I mean like yeah, he probably said Smoking Mountain was a a very well run show because I think Tony Khan, the promoter, sees Jim Cornette and said, yeah, he had a fucking great fucking show. Now, Tony Khan can't do the same thing with that, but at least he's got the financial bookings. He's got some connections to get his product on TV. And that's what's getting over his wrestling right now. And Jim Cornette doesn't agree to it, and I get it. Uh, you know, sometimes I just sit there and just, you know, I have to sit there and put on my hard hat and say, is this really what wrestling is? And sometimes it's not. But at the same time, it's what it is right now. It's better than WWE. I, I see Jim Cornette always bashing AEW week after week, but he's not really bashing WWE like Raw and SmackDown. He does it on occasion. It's his fun little pet toy to make fun of his AEW week after week. That's what people tune into. If Jim Cornette was to sit there and spend like the same amount of time he does on AEW 
on Raw and SmackDown and NXT, it'd be horrible. It, it just sounds like Jim Cornette does not like wrestling at all. Am I, am I incorrect in saying that? I mean, he I've seen him tear WWE apart. Yeah, but it's, it's, he, it's here and there. But, it, I mean, like his favorite little... It's like, he's like, Jim Cornette's a bully. And I'm not going to say he's a bully. He's not. But Cornette's kind of a bully when it comes to AEW. It's easy to pick on. Because it is. Because he's got his version of wrestling. But the thing is, he doesn't touch on NXT too much. I listen to Cornette's drive-thru. I do. I listen to him and Brian Last. I have nothing against Brian Last. I think he's very insightful. He's very knowledgeable what's going on. And the thing is, same thing with Jim Cornette. Well, but the thing is, like, I, I feel like them, it's easy. Because the thing is, it's been such a running gag between Cornette and AEW. You listen just for those moments. It's yeah. what it is. I mean, it's NXT that he's kind of lenient on. Although I disagree with a lot of things he says about NXT. Because to me, I love NXT. I think NXT, NXT is the only show that I see that that I've seen that has the pure wrestling that I enjoy. There's only a couple of there's only a couple of spot monkey moments. Like really, the only team that the only people I see that are spot monkeys that I want out of the company ASAP. Is MSK? Sign him up, TK. I I I'm begging TK to take them because they're tailor made for AEW. They do not belong in NXT because they are they are the embodiment of spot monkeys. Now NXT has its occasional spot monkey moments, you know, but they're few and far between. It's the it, 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 they're few and far between. So when I see them, it's not as irritating. You know, but most of the time I'm seeing actual wrestling happening, which is why I personally enjoy NXT. So there's times where Cornette's ripped NXT apart and I looked at him like he was on crack. Like you out of your damn mind. But But, but here's the thing. Here's the beauty of, that's the thing. That's the beauty of Jim Cornette, right? Like Jim Cornette reels you in with a lot of points and the things like for most shows, he's spot on. Even when it comes to AEW, I can sit there and be like, you know what though, realistically, yeah, he's at a point. There's some points that are kind of like, what the fuck? The thing is, like, when Tony Khan looks at the comments, he says, Smoky Mountain was a well-run show because, you know, when they say game respects game or uh, acknowledges game, it's yeah. just Tony Khan saying, you know what, though? Jim Cornette, in his infinite brilliance, Smoky Mountain Wrestling was a fantastic show. So it just shows that he went back and watched those videos, saw the way it was booked, looked at the storylines, and was intrigued. And I- I'll have to say this. Tony Khan was inspired by Jim Cornette to make this promotion, not based on what he's booking right now, but the way he was booking. He thought Jim Cornette was a genius. I still think to this day, he thinks Jim Cornette is a genius. He might sit there and dog Tony Khan and AW to high heaven, but deep down inside, Tony Khan respects and loves Jim Cornette because of the way he ran his promotion back in the day. And the thing is, here's another thing. Jim Cornette, you know what we lo- do you know why we love Jim Cornette so much, Vinny? Why? Because the man has conviction he never sugarcoats it he gives his all in all if it's something is good it's good if it's something that's bad it's bad now, i don't agree with jim Cornette all the time but the fact that he holds nothing back it's such a passion for his craft his wrestling and everything else i think that's why people love him they want to hate a lot of things he does because don't get me wrong he's wrong about a lot of different things but it's conviction to the truth his truth if some people see his vision it's fine at the same time, his conviction to the craft, the way he booked a long time ago, his ideas, other different things. And not only that, though, just mostly his conviction to the whole wrestling product, 
He, it's unmatched. He's the biggest mark in wrestling. And he could, and it's like one of those guys who talks shit, but he could back it up. That's Jim Cornette. He could talk shit and back it up. Now, a lot of times he says it's kind of fucked up, but at the same time, Jim Cornette, his own rightfully in his own set, whatever. I think Jim Cornette is is a person that Tony Khan looked to, and I, I'm pretty sure Jim Cornette, if he could, he would get Jim Cornette. But Jim Cornette, I don't think he wants to. Jim Cornette doesn't have to sit and travel and do all this stuff, whatever though. And plus, he's so fed up with AEW. Unless they change everything about AEW, Jim Cornette doesn't even have to. Does he want to be there? So they need someone like Jim Cornette to criticize him to make Tony Khan better. So we need people like Jim Cornette in his life. He could be wrong most of the time, but Tony Khan's like, you know what though? We need Jim Cornette. Just be honest, be you, have your convictions. We need that because if you want to have a blinding light to what the truth of reality of wrestling is with a half tinted glass, just go to Jim Cornette's uh, drive through and he'll lay some truth on you. And just take it with a pinch of salt. Take the good with the good and the bad with the bad. That's all. That's all you can do. We need people like Jim Cornette in our life. A lot of people like the sugarcoated. And it's, it's true. Hmm. I can see that. Also, for the record, um, I am a fan of Jim Cornette. Don't ever compare me to Brian Last. I like Brian Last. I, I don't. I, 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 He's my least favorite I part don't. of the show. No. Oh, get out of here. I think he. I think he's a breath of fresh air. I like him. I like him. I like Brian Last. I mean, like, um, I never really heard a lot about it. Hate about him. Why don't you like Brian Last? I don't understand. That. Uh, honestly, because. You know, as as angry as Cornette gets with wrestling, Brian gets even angrier. Like I look, there's times I've listened to the episodes and I listened to like clips and episodes and gone, "Is this guy even a wrestling fan?" Because he rarely has anything nice to say about the business. I don't know. Like, like I mean, he, it's kind of hard because I think he's he more anal up, than like, Cornette. He kind of is, but at the same time, I, I well, here's the thing about what I like about Brian. Remember, same thing with Cornette about conviction. Here's the thing: Brian Lass could sit there and objectively counterbalance Cornette because Cornette could kind of sit there and get on a high horse sometime. I think Brian Lass could actually sit there and be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" I think we're just saying you have some merit, but let me tell you, it's he's not just you know some people like like they sit there and just show, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Brian Lass is not like that. He brings up facts and gives a different perspective because if you had p- two people agreeing on the same shit, it would be a successful show. And Brian Lass is kind of like the counterbalance. Don't be wrong. He agrees to a lot of stuff that Cornette says and goes goes with it. But at the same time, I like having like that positive, negative reaction when it comes to things. Like, for instance, when we did AW earlier today, um, I know you don't really care for AW that much, so I love having you on because it's a funner show where we can sit there and kind of like bounce off each other like you have your ideas like why you don't like the product and i talk I, I tell you why i like the product and we go back and forth it's a fun little mix brian Les and cornet is just that it's like you know they kind of bounce off each other with their different perspectives sometimes they're on point they're in sync and a lot of things that's going on in the cult of cornet um you know but at the same time brian last at the same point you consider a counterbalance and be like you know you're right about this but here's a different opinion Here's a different mindset. Here's a different focal point. So it's pretty cool. I think he's a good counterbalance. To tell you the truth, I could not see anybody else doing that show with Cornette other than Brian. Could you think of anybody else? Because I can't. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I know Brian does help Cornette in, like, certain areas. So I don't want to say 
I'm just saying I'm not a fan of Brian. Because... Oh, I am. I, I, th I think he's great. I think from, you know, for what he's done... And the thing is, like, I never heard of Brian last before I heard the show. I'm, I'm not sure about the projects he's done or anything he's done before, but listen to the Cornet drive-thru. I think he's a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, he's better than... Um, what's his name? Conrad Thompson. Um, definitely. Uh, just my own personal opinion. I think oh, totally. Brian Lass is fantastic. Oh, I mean, I, I, I mean, Conrad... I remember listening to it first. I was like, okay, who's this person? Why is this person? And the more I got to more, you know, nobody, it's not, it's not a buff thing or anything else. I just don't like Conrad. And like, you know, he just, I don't get the, his appeal. Like, and the thing is like, he's got so much draw with like, you know, um, with uh, Jim Ross and Eric Bischoff and all these different like characters um, on his shows, or whatever. I don't get his appeal. I just don't like his cadence. I don't like, I just don't like Conrad Thompson. He's not there's there's nothing entertaining about him. Here's here's what he got. He married one of Ric Flair's daughters. There you go. No 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 no. It's it's I mean, let's 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 scratch the surface. Let's get away from that whole thing. So let's say if no one knew that small little tidbit about his life because I don't know much about it. But the thing is like you know, for me when I watch YouTube or when I listen to a documentary, when I listen to someone narrating something. Or when you listen to a podcast, for that matter. I mean, some people might like my voice. It might be a good flow for people to follow. And some people are going to fucking hate my voice. And I get it. I talk fast. I don't like it. But Conrad Thompson, when I first started getting into the podcast, when it comes to wrestlers like, you know, Booker T, or when it came to Bully Ray, when it came to Stevie Ray, uh, when it came to Eric Bischoff, all these people, I keep seeing Conrad Thompson's name pop up. And I'm like, who the fuck is Conrad Thompson? I had no idea who he was. So I remember listening to a show... And I was trying to listen to it, and I remember almost forcing myself to try to like Conrad Thompson. But then it finally dawned on me, I'm like, dude, why am I forcing myself to listen to something I don't want to listen to? I don't like his cadence. I don't like his perspective. I don't give a fuck you almost fell out of love with wrestling years ago because you didn't like the product. Who gives a fuck? You're a fan. He just He's a fan that made it big. And, you know, congratulations to him for marrying a flair, and congratulations for being all, you know, I, I mean... I'd be super stoked if I had Jim Ross or Easy E on my show, whatever. I would be. I mean, good, congratulations to him. But to me, as a fan, I don't like him. You know, I, I I never really got into Conrad Thompson. I don't get his appeal. His perspective is fucking jaded. It's stupid. Um, just in my own opinion. And the thing is, I've listened to a lot of material with him. And I was trying to sit there like, well, maybe he's got a different perspective about something else. And most of his perspectives is pretty much on point with other people having shoot interviews from the past. So it's almost like he doesn't have his own opinion about things. He's a mark. So well, I get That's that. the answer. The, time, like, the thing is about Conrad Thompson is he is basically a mark. Like he'll ask a question no, no, about no, something, no, set it up. No, no. The other person will say something intelligent and then he will bring a mark perspective to the whole thing and fuck up the flow. He does. Or, oh, or if he, or if he, all marks. No, no, no. We're all marks. Dude. Yeah, there's a difference, though. There are some people who are marks and have a fucking brain. And there are other marks who don't have brains. Like, literally, I have watched interviews where Conrad will confront somebody with a question. The person will answer the question. But then Conrad's like, oh, bullshit, that didn't happen. Motherfucker, you weren't even there. How do you know this person's fucking lying? Because you're a well, mark and you don't and you don't like what you're hearing. Well, 
I mean, like, it's 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 not really that though. So I guess for me, like you know, when I watch YouTube, for instance, I watch um, I listen to a channel called Comics Explained. I I, I promoted it many times before. Uh, this guy named Rob. Um, Rob, when he explains to me different comic book stories, uh, origin stories, or whatever it is, and it, it, it could be anything, conspiracy theories, it could be wrestling related, but the thing is, like, when you listen to a podcast, you're not just listening to the content. Yeah, obviously the content really does matter, but it's about the cadence and the voice you listen to. I guess for me and Conrad Thompson, it's nothing against the guy, I just don't like his voice. I don't like his cadence. That's fine. And you're right. He does. He he does have like that 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 fucking Mark kind of perspective when it comes to it. Because I guess when he doesn't hear what he wants to hear, he goes all fucking like whatever. And that that's beside the point. I guess for me, it's like I just never got the hype and how this person got so over with all these different people. Maybe he's just making friends. Maybe he's just a personal guy. You know, maybe he's just like you know when he met these people, like hey man, I got a podcast. Let's make this happen. Maybe he got into the podcast game earlier. I don't know his history. I don't, I don't give a fuck about him. Yeah, but the thing is, he's a tech like, guy. They're me. not, and he got the connection because he was he's related to Ric Flair. That can open <laughs> doors for you. Don't believe me? Look at the Raw Women's Champion. It opens That's doors. Or, if you need more proof, go look at Classic WCW and look at his fucking son, David. The motherfucker didn't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch and was the United States champion. Okay, we need to get off that little topic there, but I mean, like, that's... Uh, I'm, I'm making a point, though. That, that's I, mean, your, no, I get it, though. That's your answer. So, I mean, it's I I, th I think it's a spite though. I, I just don't understand how people follow him. And the thing is, like, if you like Conrad Thompson, that's fine, dude. That that's that's your own thing, whatever. But for me personally, I couldn't get into his cadence. I couldn't get into his like his stupid fucking voice. That's yeah. just me. The thing is, like, you know, Conrad can listen to our show. He'll be like, you know, Elvis, your your voice sucks too. I don't understand what you're talking about, and you're just a piece of shit. I don't care because, I mean, I tried. I tried to listen to the show because I thought maybe he would have brought. I was trying to find something prolific about his show that gave value to it, and it wasn't really good. Like, his perspective kind of sucks, his cadence sucks, and his voice kind of sucks. So I was like, what's the draw of this guy other than having that name affiliation with all these big people? It wasn't for that. It'd be really fucking nothing, but I guess it's just my own opinion. If you like Conrad, that's cool, man. I'm not going to sit there and take anything away, but I just... His owner, it's like, remember when um, Greg Geraldo was like, I don't understand why Larry to kill guy is so fucking over. It's the same thing. Greg Geraldo's fucking great. He's like, how the fuck is Larry the Cable guy so fucking popular? He just can't fucking get it. He just can't get through his fucking mind. Yeah, he couldn't understand it. And you know, and there's and there was obviously ways to understand it, but the point is this. <clears throat> Your issue is his voice and his cadence. That's like the fourth and fifth thing that's wrong with him. The thing about it is. <laughs> In order to have a podcast, yes, you got to have a voice that people want to hear. But most importantly, you need to have, you have to know what the fuck you're talking about. That's the reason people love this show. And the a part of the reason I brought wrestling so heavily into this show is because outside of this place, not only do we talk wrestling, I get people who message me constantly. To talk about something that happened in wrestling. Bray Wyatt got released. My phone ran off the hook all day. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get more calls this week. There are people who want to hear what I have to say about something going on in wrestling. And that's because I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Because I work 
in the business, and I've studied it. And here's the thing. My perspectives have come from watching and studying multiple people. I've listened to Cornette. I've listened to Bruce Pritchard. I've listened to Dutch Mantel. I've even listened to a little bit of Russo. And I didn't even like him. But I took the perspectives and I studied from learning from all these guys to study and analyze wrestling and combine them with my own opinions and put them in there and played the game. Okay? The thing is that that you have to know what you're talking about and Conrad doesn't have a shitting clue what he's talking about. And I said this on the last show and I'll say it again. When it comes to actually analyzing wrestling, he's as lost as an illegal immigrant at a vote for Trump rally. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He talks like a mark. He speaks like the mark. And looking at his physical appearance, he, is, he basically is, he looks like if the IWC was a person. Overweight guy with a beard. The only difference is instead of living in his mother's basement, he lives in his father-in-law's basement. It's literally, that's it. There is no appeal to Conrad Thompson other than he married a flair. That's how he got the gig. Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. I'm looking up something right now. Oh, you know what, though? Is now deleting my Domino's app. Sorry about that. <laughs> there you go. Like Conrad Thompson's, like the Domino's Pizza of pizza apps. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Okay, so I got one more wrestling topic here. Then we can move on to something else. Uh, Elvis, I'm gonna think I'm gonna have you pick this one. I'm thinking of a number between one through fourteen. Wait, what? Pick a number between 1 and 14. 14. Okay. Okay. Former WWE doctor recalls sewing up Mick Foley's mouth after Hell in a Cell fall. It has been 23 years since The Undertaker dropped Mick Foley through the roof of Hell in a Cell, yet it's still one of the most talked about moments in WWE history. Talking in a recent interview at Wrestling Inc., a former WWE doctor has detailed the full extent of Mick Foley's injuries. Uh, Frank Romascavage was in the ring with Mick and was there to collect his teeth and sew up his mouth backstage of the event. I was in the ring. You'll see me in that match. I'm in the ring there, and Mick, he got beat up. He was hurting big time. I said, Mick, come on. We're going to get you through this. I took him in the back of the locker room back there. Roman Scavage wanted to talk about how Mick Foley was lucky that the accident occurred when it did and not one of many other WWE, and not, and not one of many other ventures WWE held events. You couldn't be in a better place. The University of Pittsburgh has a 24-7 on-call orthodontic dental type program, he explained. I called the dentist or the dental orthodontic guy, whoever was on call, and I said, do you like wrestling? He says, I love wrestling. Together, they got Mick Foley patched up to the point he was still able to come back to the arena and interfere in the show's main event match. Uh, going to the hall in the Hell in a Cell match, Mick Foley was already a hardcore legend, but it was that moment that cemented his place in history, a moment that to this day is still costing him a lot of money and dental bills. Talking recently to Steve Austin on the Broken Skull Sessions, Mick Foley admits he was lucky to survive his fall. Had he not been so tired and sold the choke slam with the usual vigor, he believes he would have met his end at that moment. But if I had the energy and I'd gone up for this choke slam the way that I usually did, then you and I are not having this conversation. It's the only time I take a bad choke slam. Because of that, 
I don't over-rotate and land on my head. Wow. Mick Foley, I mean, Mick Foley, remember how much criticism he got? I mean, we're talking about it now still to this day, but remember how much shit he got um, from like Ric Flair and some other wrestlers, whatever? Because oh, yeah. Of, um, you know, being a glorified stuntman and all this bullshit, and yet here we are still talking about it to this day. Um, you know, he's respected by Undertaker and all these people who took his big falls, whatever, but he was like, he was so criticized as being like fun, you know, like we are, we're talking about it right now. Um, or Chris Jericho during a hardcore match. But here we are, like, how many years later still talking about that shit? Yeah. and here, But here's the thing, though. And this is the difference between Mick Foley and a lot of the extreme, crazy, dumbasses that are out there today. Mick Foley had those moments. But he also knew how to work and had psychology. And he would bring psychology to the shit that he did. And he wouldn't take those big bumps unless they were high-profile matches. That's not something he would do on a Raw or a SmackDown or a house show. He did that on a pay-per-view, on a grand scale, during a big-time match. It wasn't the main event, but damn well could have been. People talk more about that than the actual main event. So it's it was the highlight of the whole pay-per-view. It overshadowed everything that was happening that night. Because people still talk about that moment. And sometimes in wrestling, the moments mean more than the victory. Cause you're right about that. It's uh, about the moment because you have you can have like a match, a title match every year, every month, and you know, get switch over. But the same token, like, you know, it's about the memories, you know, how impactful was it during that time frame? build up and the slow burn and the final burn on it. Yeah, and I'll prove it. Do you remember who won the match? Yep. Undertaker, right? Yeah. I forget until I watch the match from start to finish. I sometimes forget who won. Because most right. nobody talks about, nobody very few people remember that Undertaker won the match or how he even won. All they remember is fully going off the cell. It's like when Jimmy Snuka Jumped off the cage, and I said that. To, and I said this to Jimmy Snooker when I interviewed him years ago. I before you know I said a lot of people don't remember that Don Morocco won the match. They just remember Snooker coming off the cage. Mm-hmm. That's a moment that's etched in history. But like, but I said this before, and I'll say it again. Mick Foley knew how to work and had psychology. And he was smart. He didn't. He was not going to do the... He, he took bumps when it mattered. Like, there were two big bump moments that he had in his career. One was this match, and the other one was years ago in WCW, at a Clash of the Champions, he had a match against Mil Mascaris. And Mil Mascaris was apparently a pain in the ass to work with. Really? Yes. Because there were two things that Mil Moscaris did not like to do. He didn't like the job, and he didn't like to sell. Which made him an abominable prick to work with. Yeah, he was very much a prima donna. Very much so. He was a star. He was over. He did have the respect of the locker room in some cases, but a lot of other times he was a prima donna. 
And Foley, so they put him, and they were going to work him. Now, granted, at this time, Mil Moscaris was not old, but he was like, he wasn't a spotlight wrestler. He was just, he was a legend coming in, in a way. And they decided to put him with Cactus Jack, who basically was an undercard guy during this time. And that's how he often got treated like, because Jim Hurd didn't see anything special in Foley. But Cornette did. So they used to book him in matches where Cactus would lose, but then after the match, he would beat the shit out of the guy, and fans would love him. And it would get to the point where they didn't even care about the match, they just want to see Cactus lose his mind. So Cornette knew how to book around that. And there's this bump that Mick Foley would take called the Nesty Plunge. And it's where you take a flat back bump off the ring apron and hit the floor. Just flat back to the floor. And there's no padding. So his literally head, back, everything hits that concrete floor. So Foley did it a couple times and then Cornette said, don't do that. He said, don't do that unless it's a big deal. So he stopped doing it, but then Cornette said, for this match, can you take that bump tonight? And Foley said, yeah, I'll do it. So they set it up, but Cornette didn't tell anybody because he was afraid somebody would ixnay it. So they kept it a secret that he's going to do that. The only person that knew was Moscaris, and he wasn't going to say shit because he was just happy that he was going to win the match at the end. So Cornette's doing the commentary. So they have the match, and at one point, uh, Cactus is on the apron. Mil Moscris does a drop kick. Cactus takes the bump, and you see either spit or a tooth come flying out of his mouth. But he flat back bump hits the concrete floor, and it looks painful. And Cornette screams, Cactus Jack is dead. Which is basically the prequel to As God is My Witness, He's Broken in Half. Right. So back then, it had that same effect. Cactus Jack is dead. And, and Cactus eventually sits up, crawls back into the ring, and Cornette's still selling it like, how could he withstand this much pain? He's No other man would have survived this. And then Cactus slowly gets back in the ring. And then all of a sudden, Moscow hits a crossbody off the top rope, covers Cactus, one, two, three, matches over. Crowd boos. Crowd's booing. They hate this, but they love that bump. And then later on, they had Cactus get in a fight with one of the guys in the band who was, they had a band that was playing, but one of the guys was actually a worker as well. So Cactus gets in a fight with a goddamn band guy, and the crowd goes crazy over that. So they had a post-match thing to get Cactus over some more, but so Cactus has taken bumps like that, but he did them sporadically when it mattered. So that's why I've always had, that's why I like, you know, I'll give a lot of wrestlers today that do stupid shit, stupid shit, but Foley, I put in another category because he also had psychology, which the other insane people in the business today don't. And on that note, uh, we're gonna go jump into the real world. Into the real world here. Um, find something interesting. Uh, Let's see what do we got. 
Oh, here's an interesting one. Uh, Rob Schneider's in the news. I think we all we all love Rob what? Schneider, right? Why? Huh? Yeah, well, why? Oh. Rob Schneider rails against COVID-19 vaccines. Just say no. Oh, boy. Rob Schneider doesn't want his followers to receive the COVID-19 vaccine, and he's citing the Second Amendment in his argument. Okay. On Saturday, the hot chick star at 57 took to Twitter for a rant in which he advises more than 938,000 followers against getting vaccinated after hearing the news that a third vaccine may be required to maintain efficiency. Efficacy, whatever the fuck that's been up. Just say no and keep saying no. Over half of the U.S. population continue to say no to this unapproved experimental gene therapy. My body, my choice, Snyder tweeted, closing his statement with the hashtag Second Amendment is for this. Okie dokie. Uh, the Second Amendment is stated in the U.S. Constitution as a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I don't know what that has to do with the vaccine. In a series of follow-up tweets, Snyder shared more of his opinions, claiming the government has had a two-year fear campaign and lockdown, destroyed middle-class household incomes, bankrupted untold thousands of businesses, and are now putting children's lives at risk. He also shared a tweet discussing the myth that vaccination pro- protects others from getting COVID virus, and another that encouraged people to come out of the vaccine closet. In a final statement, Snyder shared a screenshot of a statement about bodily integrity and informed choice. We should never abandon our liberal principles and international stance on body autonomy, free informed choice, and human rights, and support unprecedented coercion of professional health workers, patients, and people to have experimental treatments with limited safety data, it read. This and the policies that go with it are more of a danger to our society than anything we have faced during this last year. In contrast to Snyder's comments, a February report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention stated that roughly 50% of individuals experience minor side effects after getting the vaccine, such as headache and dizziness. Yahoo previously reported, the CDC clarified that the COVID-19 vaccines are safe and they will save lives. Snyder's statements received a massive amount of replies and followers, including 5,200 retweets, some from people who shared his sentiments. However, many Twitter users found his use of the Second Amendment to be quite unusual. Uh, and then there's some over here. Uh, one person writes, Is comedic actor Rob Snyder suggesting that Americans shoot COVID-19 with guns rather than simply get the safe and effective vaccines developed to help protect themselves and their communities? One person wrote, I'm so disappointed that Rob Snyder is an anti-vaxxer. I drove 22 hours to the closest video store to rent Rob's latest movie, Deuce Bigelow 2 on VHS, and threw it out. I'll take medical advice from Rob Snyder. At the same time, I take culinary advice from Hannibal Lecter, another person wrote. Despite the uproar, Snyder did receive some support from Hollywood, including a statement from actress Selma Blair. Blair told TMZ that while she received the vaccine, she's fine with Snyder's statements. I do have immune system problems, and I do chemo on a regular basis, and I still did the vaccine twice, said Blair, two lives, who lives with multiple cirrhosis. When asked how she felt as a woman about Snyder's use of the My Body, My Choice statement to refuse the vaccine, Blair said, I'm fine with whatever people say. I don't mind what he says at all, saying that her son had a vaccine injury when he was very young. Still, she says that those that can have a responsibility to get vaccinated. Snyder is no stranger to making his voice heard during the pandemic. Back in May, he took to Twitter to share his disgust with the restrictions that were put in place to hamper the spread of COVID-19. Snyder has frequently criticized cancel culture, declaring that he consciously avoids political commentary in his comedy. Twitter is now a screaming match. Twitter has devolved and hurt public discourse. It's like throwing mud from one side of the fence to the other side of the fence, he told Fatherly. This cancel culture is real, and it's continuing, and I don't want to be a part of it. Wow. 
Um, I never thought I'd see myself be on the same side of Rob Schneider. <laughs> Here's what I think. Um, COVID is a tricky situation. I know the people who are vaccinated are super opinionated about it. And people who are not vaccinated seem to be the bad guys and everything. Here's the thing. Um, I don't think anti-vaxxers or the people who have taken the vaccination are actually causing the problem on here. It's a, it's a life choice uh, when it comes to it. Um, I think Big Pharma's pushed this thing out there to fucking Big Pharma mobsters who want their fucking agenda fucking taken care of. Um, and I think it's hilarious that the people who are vaccinated um, want to sit there and get in a soapbox and talk about how they're making a big change in the world. Yeah, I've seen more people who've been vaccinated actually get the COVID right after it's done. Um, I don't think we're the problem. Um, I haven't got the COVID yet. I am not saying it's not real, because it is. It's very much true. I have several friends who've gotten it before who had the shots and who didn't, who didn't have the shot and still get COVID and going through the same process. Um, I just feel like they're trying to get this whole population to... Uh, pretty much bow down to this whole little thing, whatever. And it's something like Big Pharma put out there in the first place, and all of a sudden, whoop, we got the cure. What a thought. Um, I know it's stupid, and it's conspiracy theory, and you can consider me that, whatever. I'm an anti-vaxxer. I'm not going to take the. I'm not going to take the vaccination, even if I'm forced to. I'm not going to take it. I don't believe in it. Um, it's too new of a drug. I know we have scientists working in day and night to try to sit there and come up with it. I think some people get healed from it, and a lot of people maybe may get some saline because I don't think everybody's getting it. Um, now all of a sudden they're coming with this new Delta variant. Do you know how long, Vinny? Do you know how long it takes for a, a disease to mutate? Uh, no. How long? It takes a long time for anything to mutate. Cancer's cancer. It still goes through your body. There's different variants when it comes to your bone or when it comes to skin or whatever. But cancer's cancer. AIDS is AIDS. Right? So, I mean, there's different variants when it comes to it. But it breaks down, like, mathematically, right? Or even science, for that matter, which science does have a lot to do with math as well, too. It's a formula that when you put certain compounds together, sometimes it acts erratically, sometimes it acts not as erratic, right? So... How is it something that's so newly formed could change at a, at a devastating rate? Either A, it was put out there, because there's no way it would have mutated the way it does. I know a lot of people are like, there's there's no fucking way. Government, like, here's one thing about the government I'll tell you guys right now. And I know I'm going to sound like a conspiracy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my tin head on for a second. Do you think the government has ever had, has ever sided with you, ever? We're in the midst of a pandemic. We're in the midst of everybody needing to go to the hospital. Why don't we have universal health care? I know I sound like a socialist when I say this shit. Why don't we have universal health care to take care of people? Why don't we have a, a, a program to help our veterans who go to war, who have to live in our fucking street? You know, the government's never been out to help you. They will use you for everything they can, your life, your soul, and everything else, and take everything from you when it comes to bankruptcy, when it comes to anything that comes... The government's always going to take away taxes. You think the government has your best interest? No, they want to depopulate you motherfuckers. They want to kill you, Vinny. They want to kill me. Cigarettes, booze, fucking drugs, or anything else that can pump into our bodies to fucking, like, end it quicker. Um, 
I've never known a society in America to where the government wasn't working with you. Now, I could go back as far as the fucking Nixon years and show how far it's been. Like, I'm pretty sure it's been before that. But I've taken notice since the Nixon years. You know, I didn't know much about it when I was a kid. But as I grew older, I'm like, God damn, that Nixon was a fucking piece of shit. And, like, every one of those presidents year after year was fucking worse than the other. Some of them were charismatic. Like, you had Ronald, Re Ronald Reagan. Bush, the first one, was a piece of shit. Uh, Bill Clinton was a swab motherfucker, but he was a piece of shit. Uh, George Bush, I mean, he was hilarious, but he was a piece of shit. Uh, Obama, he was a slick motherfucker. Again, he was a piece of shit, too. So, you know, it's like the government's never really truly had your back. You just sit there and take your full faith in something you have no idea about. There's no... I, it's like you don't see the full picture. Why don't you just wait to see how it is? So the people have been vaccinated? Dude, I'm happy. Sit there and wear a button that says, I got my shot. You know, you could go on your soapbox and talk shit about it and say, hey, man, she get her shot. You know, you're trying to you're trying to do right by the world. I'm glad you got that personality that sits there and just blindly takes something you have no idea about and want to sit there and preach to the world that you know everything that's going on. That's wait. I'm going to wait until about a year or two or three years or five years to see how you guys are really feeling. Is your arm feeling okay? You know, is your blood temperature rising? Is it lowering? Are your toes feeling okay? You don't know what the fuck's going on. I mean, shit. When I they, am... Back in the day, before they had, like, you know, con, you know not contraceptives, but, like, you know, for their, you know, for their monthlies, whatever, and yeast infection and everything else. You know what they used to use for women back in the day? For yeast infections? What? You can look this up, too. Lysol, motherfucker. Lysol. Disinfected that has nothing to do with that bacterial stuff for a woman. It's a whole different situation. Women's privates are a whole like, you know, it's you need special doctors, especially women who knows body parts, look into all these different germs and everything else. But, like the doctors, like, oh, just spray some Lysol, you'll be fine. It caused so many birth defects. That's why a whole bunch of Neanderthals out there in the middle of nowhere, and like, you can't. Even though science tells you it's the cure for now. It's like buying a PlayStation or buying a TV or something. You're going to have some bugs when it first comes out, but once you get this formula down and it's correct and it's good, you're fine. But you can't counterbalance a, a PlayStation like you do a human being. And a human being has got so many different uh, different factors. Your respiratory system, your brain system, and everything else. There's so many different factors. You're telling me you're going to come up with a cure within a fucking year and everything's going to be fine? And that's a fucking lie because I know people who've taken the vaccination and get COVID again after they're vaccinated. So wait, you're getting a shot to get fixed. It doesn't cure the problem and makes you get it again. I've had friends who had this shit. I mean, I'm I'm kind of scared because like I want to get the shot, but it's not helping anybody. I still people there's still people out there getting COVID after taking the fucking shot. So what do you do? It's kind of like this is all a fucking lie. But you want to report that on news? You're just saying, oh, we'll just blame the people who are not vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated. I don't have the fucking I don't have the fucking shit. So what do you do? You have people who are vaccinated still getting COVID. So that means, A, your shot's not fucking working. Am I wrong about that? Hey, no, you're not. And that's the fucking point. And that's been my whole argument with COVID this whole time. Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Nobody has the answers. Because every time they come up with an answer, all of a sudden there's something that contradicts it. Because here's, here's the thing that I'll tell you. There's a lot of people who have caught COVID. 
There is a number of people who have died. There's also a lot of people who caught this shit and lived. Oh, of course, my and, brother, and, my brother's one, one of my good friends from Geico, yeah. um, you know, he had it, and he's surpassed it. I mean, a lot of people are surviving it, but the thing is, like, you know, I don't believe the numbers. They're pumping up to say that it's all COVID. I just feel like it's a great, and the thing is, like, if you're taking a shot, what's, what, again, my conspiracy head is on, my little tinfoil head is on, what are they really getting to? What is the grand plan? That means, is it just a compliance thing to say, hey, we have the answer, take this and comply otherwise you will fucking die yeah the thing is there's a lot of people who still got covid and still unvaccinated and they're still alive yeah it's because the truth is it's like i said nobody knows what to do but they want everybody to just fall in line because it it, it makes them feel safe and it feels like they're in control of this and they're not you're there's you're not in control of this because there are people. If you catch, the, if you got the vaccine and you still catch COVID, that means the vaccine ain't shit. It's like the thing I used to say about masks, and I'll say this: it's like I said before. If I'm, if I go to a building, any building, a restaurant, a department store, whatever, hospital, airport, whatever, and the sign says I have to wear a mask to walk in that building. I will put on the mask and I will walk in the building because I don't want to be that Karen on YouTube and it's not a fight or a hill I'm willing to die on. So I'll put the fucking mask on. But do I think the mask makes a difference? Fuck no. Because there are people who will wear a mask, see somebody not wearing a mask, and still be afraid of catching COVID. Look, if if the guy not wearing the mask still scares you, that means you don't fully trust your mask. You don't know what the fuck's going on. You're just trying to create some illusion that you have control over this. And the truth is, you're not. You're either going to catch it or you're not going to catch it. And here's the thing. Unless you're over the age of like 40 or 50, I think it's 50, and you have pre-existing conditions, you have a strong chance of beating this. You go for two weeks, you take some medicine, and you're going to be fine. You're just going to feel like shit for two weeks. It's the the people who are older or have weak immune systems that are fucked. Yeah, but you have the people who are vaccinated who are like, you know, they're just so high and mighty. I'm like, dude, like, I understand it. Okay, you got your shot. I'm so happy for you. But the thing is, like, same thing with the flu shot back in the day. I've never taken a flu shot. I never got any immunization except for the ones I took back in school back in the day because I had to. But, like, I've never got vaccinated for shit. Flu shots, nothing. If I get a cold, I go to the doctor and say, okay, ugh, my throat hurts. Okay, here, here's this. And just fucking take it. I'm good. It's like, but this COVID thing, it's, like, really got me thinking, like, what is the purpose of this COVID testing? Because, like, is it a compliance thing to make everybody? And what's in the shots? Like, what is in the show? Like, I'm, I'm not a scientist to know what, you know, certain things are, but, like, why is it so important to take it? And the thing is, if it's so effective, then why are the people who taking a shot still getting COVID? So it's kind of like you got you to gotta question these things. I'm not trying to say, like, a conspiracy theorist, and I just don't believe in it. But the thing is, I want to see the long-term effects when it comes to it. Like, I know people had polio and measles and all this stuff, whatever. But, again, if I look back to those days, too, I would have waited and say, you know what, though? I'm going to wait this out. If I die from measles, 
you know, I might take it later or something or do something to rectify the pain or whatever it is. But the thing is, like, you never want to take anything at face value for when it first comes out. You know, wait. If there's a bug in the computer, when you buy a computer system or a PlayStation or an Xbox, whatever, there's bugs. That's about to, like, I, haven't, I, ha I still haven't got a PlayStation 5 yet. I know it's a shitty comparison. But even if I were to get a PlayStation right now, I'd probably have to wait. There's so many bugs with the PlayStation 5 or a new game or something. When you play a new game, so let's say you buy a game tonight from PlayStation, right? If it's a new fucking game, if, if it's on a server and it's online, those servers are going to break down. There's, there's going to be glitches. There's going to be bugs. You can't be the first one on the front line and say, you know what, I'm going to do it just for my country. I want to do it to be to, to, to make myself feel better that I've, I've taken a shot, though. That's, that's, just, that's a not smart way of doing things. You have to be calculated but at the same time it's your body you only have one body in your life right what you put in and what you put out you need to be cautious your body's a temple now mind you i smoke cigarettes i drink bourbon i drink beer whatever but it's my own but that's the decision i make that's the kind of shit i put into my body because i wanted to go inside there i'd be damned if i have the government tell me what i can and cannot put into my body so much as a shot or anything else if i need a flu shot if i truly need it i'll get it i wouldn't want to but if I, if I could fight with Talanon, Robitussin, whatever, I will do my best. <clears throat> but when Robitussin and Epsom salt bats don't work and it gets to a point where I'm literally losing my life over it, it's a different situation. But the premeditative cure for, for they told me, hey, Elvis, you need, or, you need oranges. You need to take vitamin C to combat the, the COVID ID. I would, I would definitely take buy a whole bunch of oranges and buy a, a whole bunch of fucking oranges and eat a shit ton of them, right? But just to take the shot just because everybody's saying to take it? It's like saying, like, hey, man, everybody jump off the bridge. Trust me, it's fun. Some of you won't survive because your legs are kind of ample. But you know what, though? Most of the time, it's a fun experience. You need to do it. No, I'd rather not jump off the bridge. I'm not going to risk ruining my fucking legs to get there. The people taking a shot, if you guys, if this is truly the way the, way the world is going to be, and within five to ten years, everything is good, I might take it then. I'm 41. Ask me when I'm 51, Vinny. Because we'll still be doing this podcast. It'll be the shitty show by then, too. Still. <laughs> um, at the same time, like, you know, ask me within five years and what my mentality is. Has my perspective has changed? Because we're all human beings, and our perspe perspectives could change on a limb. It could change on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on someone speaking to you. I might get it within five years. Who knows? But the thing is, like, I'd rather wait it off. Because what if the shot makes you a lot worse than you really are you know i don't know it i don't trust my government to give me the the right answers because they've lied to me for so many years what makes you think they're not lying about it right now i know it's just a conspiracy theory it's it's crazy Ooh, elvis is going on this conspiracy rant but it's not that like you're not losing anything if we're the if the anti-vaxxers is the problem i don't think so i'm not giving this disease to anybody nor am I contracting it, so how am I a lucky one? Maybe I am, because COVID, I've heard my brother go through it. He said it was fucking horrible. My friend Nick, who works for Geico, he's going through it right now. It's some shit, okay? I'm not saying it's not real, because it definitely is real. But I just don't believe in a shot, and it's just me. You know, if I go through it, I'll, I'll probably go to the doctor and say, oh, yep, I got, the, I, got, I got the coronavirus. You know, I'll get some Robitussin or... You know, some med special medicated stuff for the cough suppression. It wouldn't help me with my breathing. But the thing is, like, I don't think the COVID show would have prevented that. Because I know people who's had the shot, they had both shots, actually, and still contracted. So your shot is bullshit, in my opinion, so prove it otherwise. And that's just me thinking out loud. 
it's stupid to, I mean, it might be stupid to other people like, well, you're just part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. I'm like, no, I think I'm part of the solution. I'm glad you took it because when did you take it a year ago? I'm going to give you four years. I'm going to check your Twitter feed and see how well you're really doing. And if you're doing well, fantastic. I, I wish you nothing but good health. I don't wish ill will towards anybody, but I'll tell you what though, the amount of hate of people who have not been vaccinated has been on an uprise and it's fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. If you don't take a flu shot, or if you want to sit there and get help if you're an alcoholic, no one's going to sit there and go on Twitter and say, all these, all these fucking alcoholics should get fucking help. Fuck you. I want to, if, I, if I don't want to get vaccinated, what am I supposed to do? Wear a name tag that says, I took it? Guess who else had to wear name tags back in the day when they were considered Jews? The fucking Jews in Germany. What happened to them? They got fucking killed because the whole world was against them. Because Adolf Hitler was a fucking piece of shit who hated fucking Jews. Made them wear fucking sashes because they were Jews. And walked them out to a fucking concentration camp. I know my shit's kind of dramatic, but how far are we from getting there? Because everybody's on the same wavelength of any vectors being the fucking problem in this whole solution, in this whole thing. And what's their final solution? Hate on the fucking any vexers Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much where they're at. And... The thing is, they're, I, they're, all, they're all hoping to die. That's the thing, though. I, I've been online to multiple sites, and they're like, I hope, like, you know, these people haven't got COVID shots, they deserve to die. And I'm like, wow. Your compassion for man has dropped down to nothing because you simply took a shot that you had to comply to. But you're not looking at all the facts, you're just looking at, well, fuck you, you're not vaccinated, you're part of the problem. No, it's not that, though. Look, dig a little deeper into what's going on, though. I'm glad you took the shot. If you feel like you're making the world a better place, I'm all for it, but you're blaming us for, you know, for pushing this along. I don't want to sit there and take your fucking COVID shot. It's some bullshit. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, everybody has their opinion on this and everybody's like fucking crazy. And the thing is, I'm not, I wouldn't even classify myself as an anti-vaxxer. I just don't trust this vaccine. Because... I've gotten, like, when I was a kid, I got all my fucking shots that I needed when I, was, when I was a kid. And then out of nowhere, they started adding extra ones. Like, when I was in high school, I had to get, th when I was in school, I had to get three different hepatitis shots for hepatitis B. Um, I never saw myself in a scenario where I would ever catch that. And the only reason I got the shot was because I needed to complete the physical so I could wrestle. That's the only reason I got that fucking shot. Then I thought I was done after that. And then meningitis showed up and they said meningitis. Most people who were catching it because I was going to Georgia state was by living in the dorm was in the dorms. Well, I'm not living in the dorms. I commuted to school. I, w I got dropped off at a martyr station. I took the martyr to Georgia state. I took the martyr back, got picked up, drove home. Never saw, I was only, the only time I was ever inside the dorm was once. And that's because I was working on a project with a partner who lived in the dorm. So we went to the dorm to go work on the project together. Other than that, never set foot in the Georgia State dorms. But I had a doctor who at the time pretty much pressured and scared me to take, and taking the fucking shot. And he said, well, this guy went on a cruise ship and everybody on there and, and he caught meningitis on the ship and died. And like a dumbass, I got fucking scared straight and took the fucking shot. 
But again, didn't feel like I fucking needed it. This go around, I don't need it because I don't, if I catch COVID, I'm not going to die from this thing. Plus, I look at it like this. I was essential for a good chunk of this pandemic. So if I was really going to catch this shit, I'd already caught it by now. If I ain't caught it by now, I see no scenario where that's going to happen. Plus, I grew up in the 90s. Not Most of us have strong immune systems because we did shit that strengthened our immune systems. We had germs to practice with, as George Carlin would say. This yeah. is life, I guess. Yep. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next story here. Um, this one's fun. Uh, Victoria's Secret. Karen attacks black woman has meltdown after she's caught on camera. Uh, is Jamina Ukenta, and I'm probably pronouncing that name wrong, captured the bizarre incident in which Abigail Elchick charged at her and later becomes hysterical when she realizes she's being recorded. A white woman caught on camera attacking a black woman in Victoria's Secret store had a full meltdown to realizing her rude and violent behavior had been caught on camera. The first of a six-part YouTube video recorded at the Short Hills Mall and posted by Ijemia Yukenta Sunday shows the woman identified in her police report as Abigail Elpchik or Elpik, uh, charging at her with a hand open as if to strike her. In later recordings, Yukenta said she was browsing at the lingerie store when the woman moved in front of her, basically pushing her out of the way. At that time, Yukenta started recording the interaction, capturing Elpchik charging at her. But once Elpchik noticed her recording, she immediately has a full breakdown. Instead of leaving the store, Elpchik screams and at one point pretends to faint, laying on the floor in front of the Victoria's Secret registers. In other videos, she demands Yukenta stop recording her yelling, get away from me, while chasing the woman. It gets worse. Yukentis asked store employees to call for security and mall security arrives. They then call the Milbourne Police, De- Milburn Police Department, because that's all security guards can do, whose officers treat the situation with little to no concern. They inform Yukenta they cannot escort Elp Hick out of the complex despite her violent behavior. In a later update, Yukenta checks in from the area police station. I had the police report, which is somewhat true, but really, really long, she says. I'm happy I did record because even the officer stated that I only showed him the video of her laying on the floor when I showed him. In one video, Yukenta reads the police report in its entirety. In it, Elpik admits she was wrong in her behavior, but that she didn't want to be professionally or socially shunned. Well, that's about to happen. She claims she had a panic attack after realizing she was being recorded. Mind you, Yukenta maintains they took her statement first because, of course, she called the police and she completely lied. She's trying to say I started videotaping her, causing her to have a panic attack, at which time she followed me to try to get me to stop recording. So I'm filing the complaint against the two officers that responded, continued Yukenta. I didn't feel protected. I'm also filing a complaint against the mall security. She noted that Victoria's Secret Store staff assisted her, asserting its manager even sent someone to walk down to Haston Security because they were talking too long. So I don't really have any issues with them, not as of yet, Yukenta said. Now if they give us problems getting the video, then we'll talk about that. That'll be another story. All clips from the encounter were shared to YouTube under a channel called Mama Africa Musalima. The GoFundMe account Yukenta set up to assist the pursuit of justice has surpassed its 20000 goal by over $11,000 at press time. I'm getting sick of these Karen things, whatever, man. 
Um, I really am. I mean, um, I think we talked about it before, months ago, in our podcast, but I'm going to bring it up again. Um, everybody dealt with this pandemic a lot differently. Um, a lot of people are inside their own heads. When people get recorded, oh, they lose no, their minds no, more. They don't know how to deal with it. I think a lot of people don't know how to deal with being recorded at all, especially when they're in the wrong, or they might be in the wrong, or whatever the situation is. Um, I think this world lost its fucking mind. It, it truly did. Uh, this pandemic did a number on a lot of people's psyches and minds and didn't have someone to maybe talk to or... I mean, think we had each other, right, Vinny? Because we, we talked to each other almost every day um, when the pandemic first started. Um, wrestling based, not wrestling based, fan fiction, or just me just calling when I was randomly be drunk with different ideas for stupid shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but we had that support system to kind of get through it. A lot of people don't have that luxury. And, um, you know, we, you know, we've seen a lot of these kind of come up lately and she's kind of going to deepen with a lot of things she's doing. She is. Um, but in her mind, she's right. And the thing is, uh, it's weird. Cause like, she feels like she's in the right and she's being displayed a certain way, but she can't even see past herself. That's the problem with a lot of people too. They can't see past themselves. They can only look outward. Like they can point the problems outside, but they can't look inside. And it's really hard in this day and age. Um, for instance, you have a person who blames their whole life, their shortcomings of their jobs or love life and everything else, and they can sit there and pinpoint who is responsible for making their life a living hell instead of pointing inward and say, you know what, I could have done better, or I could have achieved something else. It's easier to point your finger to someone else and make yourself feel better as opposed to just, you know, doing what you need to do and try to make your life better. Like for myself, I try to sit there and look inward. Don't be wrong. Everybody, everybody in their mind, when they when they look at their life, they're the star of their world. Like they're the world revolves around them. And it, it, I know it's a shitty saying, but it kind of makes sense. Like if you're living your life, you wake up. Your first thing you wake up, you see your eyes. And you're looking at things. That's your perspective. You're the star of that star in your movie, pretty much. Um, in her mind, she's probably like the main star. She's the hero. And then. All of a sudden, something doesn't go her way, so she thinks like she's a good guy, and she's fighting every tooth and nail, and she feels like she's being wronged over stupid shit, obviously. Um, and to her, maybe she didn't have that, that talk with a friend who got her through the situation. I don't know. People are weird now. Like, people are so fucking weird. I mean, people were weird before, but I think this pandemic really put people on edge, and they're less confident with each other, and they're just looking for answers from other people, and... It's just, it's just weird, man. People are so fucking weird. I'm not saying people were, you know, glimmers of hope their whole lives, but this pandemic really put a number. I think even the elderly, too. Like, I'm 41 years old. I'm not saying I'm elderly, but, you know, people who are 50, 60, whatever, I mean, they grew up a certain way, and they lost touch with their friends, or they died, or whatever the situation is. Some people just go through a crazy fucking time, and they can't handle it. You know, they just, they are who they are, and they'll never change. It's weird. And we all know the people like they will never change in our lives, Vinny. So, um, but I don't, I don't, there's no sympathy for the woman at all. But at the same time, like, you know, these crazy reports about people like going off the deep end and, you know, either racial or political or, you know, conspiracy theories, whatever. They just go off the deep end sometimes. It's kind of like, fuck, man. There's no sympathy for these people. It's like when someone's made up their mind and they justify their actions, there's no turning back. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be a brilliant person. You could sit there and have a narrative where 
you can dissuade the other person and touch them with words and say the right things. But then all of a sudden, one false move and it goes back to reality. It goes back to where it was. You can lead, like you know, what they say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Same thing, man. It's crazy. You know, and what's interesting about this scene is the fact that, you know, this is one of those moments where the Karen is being caught on tape. The Karen isn't filming. Because there are some cases where the Karen is the person holding the camera. Obviously here, that's not the case. But what I found interesting is that I tried to look, I'm looking at the YouTube channel and part two of the six part video was taken down by YouTube. Wow. The reason they said is because this video has been removed for violating YouTube's policy on harassment and bullying. I'm sorry. The person video with the videotape with the camera is the one being bullied. That's what's happening here. So my I question mean, is, who the fuck it's, is monitoring it's, it's, this shit? Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. It's kind of like Donald's Pizza was monitoring this whole YouTube thing, whatever, and decided to take up the content off. It's some bullshit Donald's Pizza is is having on this fucking bullshit fucking content. It's bullshit, man. I can't believe it. Donald's fucking Pizza at it again. Motherfuckers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. It but never ends, Vinny. It's never going to end. This is never going to end. But that's the thing. And also, apparently someone cut in front of her or something, like pushed her out of the way, which I can believe that because women, when they shop, go crazy. But here's the thing. You can't act like a psycho in a store and then get shocked that people are filming you. Almost well, everybody well, is filming everything today. Yeah, they are. And you have to be really careful, especially if you're a professional setting or if you get some kind of pseudo-popularity pseudo or whatever. But I think it's like a lot of people are just oblivious. And like I think people look like that for a long time, and that's the only time they got caught you know, on camera. And it makes them realize the error of their ways. And sometimes... I think cameras are a good point, like, especially when it comes to, like, these situations with, um, unfortunately with the cops and, like, you know, unfortunately, like, the, the black community, um, I think cameras, and the thing is, like, I want to just see, like, the partial of them getting beat up, whatever, I want to see the whole video, how it escalated, what got them to that point to get there, um, you know, and it goes back and forth, you know, white people, black people, yellow people, green people, whatever, I mean, it's good to have that kind of counterbalance and that transparency when it comes to these, these certain situations and um, you know there's an injustice out there but there's also people who are just plain fucking horrible people it's fun seeing the terrible the tables turn back on them because they've been if you, if you think they're a dick to the point they're on camera they don't give a fuck they just do whatever imagine how they were before the cameras they were fucking horrible before they just now got caught so you know cameras don't get me wrong, they're a horrible thing, but at the same time, it's a good thing. It all depends on which light you shine it on. It sucks. I mean, I, when it comes to the officers, I mean, if they're transparent, they see what's going on, cool, okay, well, this person was resisting, resisting arrest, this guy was, like, you know, on our DUI, and he was trying to fight me, whatever, different things. And we have people who are just plain assholes and see karma come back and attack them. 
it's sweet. It's it's poetic justice when it comes to it. But it's in a certain limelight, you know. It's always going to be like that. Um, it's all about what aspect and what they do. Because if these guys were, if this person was being a true asshole, then why are you gonna sit there and support that asshole? No, you're not going to. Because no one, no one wants to cheer for the bad guy. No one wants to sit there. I mean, you know, unless you're watching a, a rarely good movie. Um, but life's not a movie. Life is life. You can you trek on. These people who are horrible on videos, they get fired from their jobs. They get like exercise from like ostracized from their neighborhood and their friends and family, even their church communities. You know, and the thing is, like these people are horrible. They're fucking horrible. Um, I'm not saying ruin their fucking lives, but they the thing is like they're actively trying to fuck with people's lives on a daily basis and a daily dose of reality. Doesn't fucking hurt. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's. How crazy they are. So, should we go with another article or do you want to wrap this up? Man, I'm ready to wrap it up. I am exhausted. It's now 12:30 in the morning and uh <laughs> we did um we did AEW and our variety show, which means we probably got to meet up tomorrow for NXT, right? Yeah, we'll have to do that cuz um I cuz I wasn't able to do NXT last week. I am, I, I am I I I I am an AEW fan obviously, but obviously, you know, I told Vinny I'd help him out for NXT because I'm a consummate professional, and John set the bar so high, so we can't let that, that bar grade go down. It'll probably go a little bit lower because I'm on there, but at the same time, you know, we gotta have someone to balance and color balance with. So I'll try to I'll try to do my best to bring it to John's standards. It's gonna be a big shoes to fill, but hopefully yeah. we get it done. Absolutely, and we'll have it out there before uh, the next NXT episode, and I'll explain why that episode's late when I explain when we do the NXT recap, but. For now, we're going to uh, wrap this show up. Uh, Elvis, is there anything special you want to do before we wrap this up? Any special segments? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we need to fe- feed Zachary Scott, folks. I mean, we really do. Poor guy. You know, he's been living his life. And, uh, we, you know, we used to feed him Donald's pizza. Obviously, we that's no longer an option. That's out of the question. That's done. Um, so, I guess we have to go back to the ramen noodles. Sorry, Zach. I was going to upgrade you to Domino's and... Pull some shenanigans, some bullshit, whatever. I'm sorry, buddy. I know you want them, you, Domino's, but um, I guess it's either be Little C's, Pizza Huts, or some Ramenos. And um, right now, the easiest way to do it though is for the Patreon page for us to support Zachary Scott. It's been an ongoing. It's a charity after my own heart. Um, we want to make sure we feed Zachary Scott, and he's got food for at least the next couple of weeks. You guys have been so grateful in you know sending in your donations. Uh, the care packages have been dropped out to his house personally by myself and Vinny. Um, he's got a couple of weeks going on. He's super happy. He said he likes the shrimp, ramen noodles, and even the beef flavor. And he says sometimes when he's feeling kind of, you know, saucy, he puts the shrimp and the beef together. <laughs> Guy's a wild man. Um, but uh, seriously, you know, he thanks you so much from the bottom of his redhead of hearts for uh, getting those ramen noodles. But you know what, though? We have to continue feeding on to uh, Mr. Zachary Scott. So please... Um, it's a charity of my own heart. I wish that we called, you know, pitching together and, uh, you know, make sure this soulless ginger lives. Um, we roast the ones we love. Love you, Zach. But we're trying to feed you. Um, so thank you so much for your contributions so far. Um, we've had a couple weeks so far of Ramanilla sent over his way. And um, I got to thank you guys all for listening, for sending the message of the hashtag FeedZacharyScott. Um ramen noodles you guys have been the best you guys have been active on instagram and twitter and everywhere else so i thank you and oh shit by the way i'm back on instagram on twitter just don't follow me um same thing on facebook just don't at me don't anything else unless 
I'll tell you what, though, if you're on Instagram, you can add me if you have any ideas on how to fix your grass, how to make it better, how to make it greener. I got Bermuda grass. So if you know how to get rid of crab grass or better trimming situations, add me. Send me some messages. Otherwise, just follow the Boochcast. But mostly, we're just here to feed Zachary Scott. So that's where I'm at. Okay. And uh, so where on Instagram can people find you? What's your handle? Um, it's Elvis underscore probably. So it's like Elvis probably, just an underscore between it. Um, I have photographs of, you know, myself, my daughter, my vacations. Actually, I haven't put a lot of photos on it. I just got back on like two days ago. Um, jumped back on. I think you and my wife were my only friends on there. So <laughs> I think you had a couple of on. other people, but right now it's just me and your wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I think that's all it's going to be. If it gets to be like more than six people, I might just take everybody off again and jump off again. I don't know. Jeez. Who knows? Um, I, you know, I'm weird about social media. I don't really follow it. I don't trend on it. I don't really check on it. And more than likely, I'll probably have it on it for a bit. I won't delete my file, but I'll probably just take it off my phone like the Domino's Pizza app and uh, kind of go from there. So, um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I'm promoting and hashtag boycott uh, Domino's Pizza. Fuck them. All right. All right, well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site, follow us there, or be a true hardcore fan, follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show, as well as other great content, including our commercial which you've heard the audio version of it earlier, but you can see the video version on our Facebook page as well for UCW Hometown Throwdown, which will be taking place Sunday, August 8th. It's going to be a hell of a big event that we got for you guys because the show is going to be taking place at the Greenville Shrine Club and Event Center located at 119 Beverly Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. 29609. Again, that address is 119 Beverly Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. You can get your tickets at the Shrine Club if you live in the Greenville area, or you can go to ucwtv.com and eventbrite.com to get your tickets now before they sell out. And we have a stacked card for you guys. In fact, we have... For the Universal Heavyweight title, Carlito from the WWE defends the title against Lucky Ali. Also, we have Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner, who will have Buff the Stuff Bagwell in his corner as he takes on the widowed son, Elijah Proctor. Also, we have The Ascension from the WWE, who are now known as The Awakening. Yes, apparently the Ascension is a trademark WWE name, so they got to go by a different name. They're calling themselves The Awakening, and they will be taking on the Universal Tag Team Champions, the New Age Villains. Also, from AEW, we have Dream Girl Ellie, who will be stepping into the ring against former WWE superstar Chrissy Vane. Also, from the WCW, we've got Lodi, one-on-one against Bosworth. We have Stan the Man Lee going one-on-one against Peter Bilt. And for the UCW United States heavyweight title, Johnny Swinger defends the title against Mustang Mike. And, of course, we have Blanco Loco versus Movie Mike. And, of course, Dirty Joe 
taking on Giovanni Cruz. All that and more coming to the Shrine Club and Event Center Sunday, August 8th for UCW Hometown Throwdown. And of course, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos from the show. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. As we are going to have, you can check out all of our episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, as well as our D&D One Shot, our wrestling watch parties, funny skits. We got some more of those coming soon. And of course, uh, we also have new episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring that will be coming soon, including the Brian Pillman videos, as well as the ultra violence of Nick Gage, uh, the collision in Korea, the ultimate warrior. Uh, In the Shadow of Grizzly Smith, that was a dark one. And, of course, The Dynamite Kid. All of those coming soon to the Boochcast YouTube channel. So make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you'll know when these episodes will be posted as well as our other Boochcast YouTube content. And, of course, make sure you guys follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. We have got... Uh, this is where we do our live wrestling watch parties as well as our live D&D shows. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 21st for WWE SummerSlam. And if you listen to our AW recap, you now know we will be at El Casa de Delinsky for this event. We will be at Elvis's house watching WWE SummerSlam. That's where the live watch party will take place. We will have the special treat for you guys to be able to check out and join us for SummerSlam to follow along with us. And, of course, we may even throw in a D&D one-shot after the show. So stick around after that. It'll be a big live streaming night. But in general, we are going to have our own D&D show with a full-fledged campaign. So we're going to do just a one-shot so it won't be very long um, for this one. But we're also going to be doing a full-fledged campaign that will be taking place in the month of October. We don't have an exact date for it yet, but we do know October is the month that it's going to happen. So make sure you guys follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash theboochcast to stay alert. And of course, you can support the show and feed Zach Ramen Noodles by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the of the Boochcast, support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels that you can donate at. Coming soon, we'll have prizes for each level. We don't have any prizes right now, but if you support the show now, you'll get that prize later once we decide what they are. If you'd rather wait till we have the prizes, feel free to do so. Uh, The first level, we have 99 cents a month. You can support the show for 99 cents a month. That's small contribution to the show. Every little bit helps us grow this show, so it's very much appreciative. Also, you can go to the second level, which is $4.99, which is the same price you would get for a Peacock subscription. But I know a lot of you guys aren't fans of the Peacock, so rather than waste your money on them, bring it over here. Content's way better. And, of course, the final level, you can donate for a mere $9.99. The same price you used to pay for a WWE Network subscription. You got nowhere to put that $9.99 now if you live in the United States. So why not just take that $9.99 and bring it over here to us? We got better content for you anyway. And the what you do with this what we do with this money is very very simple. It allows us to upgrade our equipment. 
It allows us to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and of course, take care of all my guys who work very hard on the air and behind the scenes to make this show possible. So if you got a favorite co-host and you feel like they deserve to be paid for their work, particularly Elvis, you feel like he should be making some money from this. I know his wife does. Uh, make sure you guys donate through there. That's how you can help make this happen. You have the option of paying with a credit card or GPay. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, pizza baby. baby. Not Domino's. <laughs> yeah, not Domino's. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we...